One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not limited to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the jump that follows this song. But hey, we gave it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel Hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive A big thank you to Anisperiority Complex For providing our theme song It is March 14, 2019 My name is Zach Weber we still don't have an episode nine title, but we do have a Rob. And he, yeah, Rob's here, folks. And once again, he has chased away the other members of the Knights of Vader. I don't know how I got so good at it. <laughs> it's a talent, folks. He doesn't know how he learned to do it, but it's there and he is a, a master at it. As you know from the title of this week's episode, this is going to hopefully be like a new series we do on Knights of Vader until we get episode nine sometime in December. We are talking about what we can learn about episode nine from Return of the Jedi. Because we figure, you know what? Uh, people who do not learn from their past are doomed to repeat it. And considering that's the uh, company mission statement from the Walt Disney Company, we should probably delve into the past to hopefully learn something that they refuse to. And what other better person to have on here other than a Return of the Jedi expert than Rob? I'm glad I'm considered that among the, uh, the Knights of Vader. And I also have to say, Zach, that I agree with you about learning from our past. But I also have to mention that I think you've stated it on Knights of Vader previously that J.J. Abrams, or or do we call him Jar Jar Abrams on here? It depends on what mood I'm in at the exact moment. Okay, well, I think I'm in a Jar Jar mood because I completely agree that he is a nostalgia fiend. I think, I don't know if I've said it before uh, on recording, but that's one of the biggest reasons I did not like The Force Awakens. I thought it was almost a shot-for-shot shot remake of the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, a, to me, a, a non-hardcore Star Wars fan. And I think, you know, J.J. hit his, or Jar Jar hit his prime when he, when he got involved with Lost and directed that pilot, but it's all been downhill since there. <laughs> I guess it should be pointed out that uh, two things about Rob. First, he is our residential uh, non-hardcore Star Wars fan, so he gives us that outsider-looking-in perspective. Which I think a lot of Star Wars podcasts don't do. They don't realize there are people in this world that don't just eat, live, live and sleep this sort of crap. And at the same time, though, Rob is probably one of three people on the face of this earth that actually like the way Lost resolved itself. I, I might be the only person on the earth that also thinks Lost never slowed down. I love all of Lost. <laughs> There you go, folks. So I love the I love the deleted scenes and the DVD like extra games. Those are great too. I'm a Lost fanatic. That's the one exception to J.J. Abrams, though. I mean, everything else. I I thought Cloverfield was going to be great. It sucked. I thought Super Eight was going to be great. It sucked. I thought you know anything else he was going to do was going to be good. It hasn't hasn't hit that nail for me again yet. <laughs> Well, just, okay, so I guess I guess the context for this entire series, if it becomes a series, because uh, Star Wars parodies kind of petered out after <laughs> it, we started off with Thumb Wars, we went to Chad Vader, and then March, I don't think we have any other parodies planned. 
But I guess we have to look at like every time we get on here, like other than than May, we'll talk about Zanger maybe later on, uh, or in, in upcoming episodes. That what do you think of J.J. Abrams' filmography? Like overall, you write you you stated your feelings on the ones you already mentioned, but like, mm-hmm. what do you think of his Star Trek reboot? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. I I think I've seen all of them, but only once. Uh, they didn't do much for me. Uh, you know, I would say I, I haven't ever been really the biggest Star Trek fan ever. Um, and I thought those movies, you know, might uh, harken back to maybe something that I did like about it. Because I've seen some of the original series of Star Trek. But no, I, I didn't care for them. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Zachary Quinto, just in general. So I, I didn't I didn't think he fit Spock well at all. Um, but that's, you know, more that's more of a hero's discussion about how I think everybody ruined him. Um but yeah, other than that, what has he done? What he didn't he write Armageddon or something like that, or produce Armageddon? Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's way he's back has, when. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was a, he was a writer for Armageddon. Yeah, I, like in Cloverfield, he was uh, a producer. Okay, I think I think the best way for my my opinion of J.J. Abrams is that he can take great concepts and ruin them. <laughs> like he, he's really good at thinking of neat ideas and then just bogging them down with the human condition and romance and and you know dwelling schmaltz. on schmaltz. schmaltz yeah dwelling on emotions that don't need to be dwelled on you know it, it's like everything he writes he wants it to be the greatest character study ever and it's like no we don't need a character study we don't need a romance between an, an ex-girlfriend and ex-boyfriend when a giant monster is destroying Manhattan and releasing little parasites that are turning people into other monsters. Like, you didn't need romance in Cloverfield. You just needed people escaping. And uh, Fringe is the same way. The first two seasons of Fringe are some of the most interesting things I've ever seen. Uh, yes, you know, you have John Noble, who can't do anything other than act his character from Lord of the Rings. But uh, those stories are interesting. They make you think. And then the last three seasons of Fringe are, man, do you think the two main characters are going to fall in love with each other? They do. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah, actually, I, I I have no experience with any of his TV stuff. Like, I was never a, a Alias fan. So oh, I never I never saw all of Alias. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I was never that. Felicity, obviously, uh, Lost was always lost on me. Pardon the pun. I love Lost. I do have to say that Lost, I think, as it went on, it got more interaction from Lindelof than Abrams, and I think that helped it, at least for my opinion, or my love of it. Yeah, I, I overall, um, going through his filmography, like his directorial debut was Mission Impossible 3, which it, it's the most bland of those films. I, I think that's the only one I've never seen. I think I've seen all of them except three. <laughs> it's worth noting that's like the lowest grossing one out of all of them. Okay. And, no, and nobody ever brings it up that, like, considering the Mission Impossible franchise started in like '96, yeah, J.J. You know, Abrams is responsible for directing, and he, uh, yeah, Tom Cruise was kind of really uh, went off the deep end at that point. But still, the film couldn't rise above the controversy that surrounded it. And who's no, who knows whose fault that was? But still, 2006 was kind of a weak summer for movies. Okay. So again, you would expect better from him, but again. He's a golden he's a golden child in Hollywood. Then next was Star Trek 2009. And then after that was Super 8. And then Star Trek Into Darkness 2, The Wrath of Khan. I'm sorry, I The Wrath, so, the wrath of was, John Harrison. Oh, I was so excited for Super 8. Like, Super 8, I really thought looked cool. I don't know if Zach remembers this. I think this was, like, 
oh god, I don't remember. It had to be junior, senior, high school, right? No, we that didn't. Was, I, that was that, that was that was post high school. That was oh, yeah, it was okay. That probably explains why I didn't see it with Zach. <laughs> but I was so psyched for Super Eight, and then I remember that I I don't know if I've ever been angrier at a movie in the theater when the climax is literally a little kid going to the alien, stop it! <laughs> and, yeah. the, and the alien stops it. <laughs> yeah, and I remember that. I remember I was in Florida on vacation, and Rob texted me. He's like, are we going to go see Super 8 next weekend? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want no parts of that movie. Oh, that ending was terrible. <laughs> yeah, again, it's another movie that somehow he gets forgiven for, and I don't get it. And then after that was, again, Star Trek Two. And then it was uh, Force Awakens. Like, he's only directed four films. Hmm, okay. Oh, five, excuse me. Five. Uh, well, I, I guess Awakens. I know him as a, as a writer and a producer more from my own history. And then the movies he, he directs, I think the one that always sticks in my head is, of course, The Force Awakens. Because that was, you know, even for me, as like Zach said, a more casual Star Wars fan, that was a momentous event. Like, you know, my, my parents were like, we have to go see the new Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, I guess we do. It's Star Wars, right? And then it was it was nostalgia overload. This <laughs> back full circle as to um, why we're discussing what we can learn about J.J. Abrams' new source of nostalgia and inspiration. Yeah, like that's that's the weird thing about. Okay, so the whole point of this was Rob and I went back and watched Return of the Jedi, hoping to glean secrets from it. That like because the reason why we preface this whole discussion with, with what we just did is we're trying to look at return of the Jedi with the same eyes that JJ is. Mm -hmm. And that's, at least that's what I was doing. Were you doing something similar to that, Rob? Like what, what like, did you watch return of the Jedi for this? Experience? I did. So I watched return of the Jedi. I also watched revenge of the Sith. I know JJ that's, that's non um, what's that sacrilege to him, right? Yes. The prequels. Yes, but I did. I did hater. go back and watch episode. What is that? Three. Yeah. Yes. Episode three. So I, I tried to I tried to pick up maybe some of those parallelisms, and I tried to kind of use both of those into a more modern age. Maybe not with JJ's eyes, but with like you know the culture of Star Wars that I've kind of been gleaning from my circles and from listening to Knights of Vader. Um, you, I think you would know the eyes of JJ better than I would. <laughs> no, well, because well, then I'm not the lost person. I'm not the person that, like, I don't watch any of his TV stuff. So that's, okay, okay. so I so, am sure, really divorced sure. from that. Like, I look at him, and I think, I, I don't want to get into it too much, because everybody, I think, already, anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows my opinion on him. But I really do call him a Brett Ratner without the bad touching. It's, <laughs> but no, it's, I, I look at him as a hack. Because I remember back when Star Trek Into Darkness came out, I the summer that came out in, I loved Star Trek Into Darkness. Like I was like I saw it in IMAX 3D. I thought it was the greatest thing. Like I not because like I like, like it was like oh my lord this is mind blowing because I just as, as summer entertainment I thought it was great. Okay. And I'm like okay, and that was and that came out after he was announced for The Force Awakens or at that point just Episode Seven, and I'm like oh okay, benefit of the doubt again. I was like anybody else, I was on the hype train for Force Awakens. I drank the Kool Aid hard on that, and then like I again leading into the marketing for that film and obviously the the mystery box, and it's like oh what secrets from the mystery box? And the mystery box was essentially just a copy of New Hope. That's essentially, or, or the original trilogy, because there's a mm -hmm. lot of, in The Force Awakens, it, it's a blend of the original trilogy. It's mostly the uh, A New Hope, but it's it's a little bit of everything in there, fair, in the original fair. trilogy. And so that's, I'm like, oh, the mystery box was there just to hide the fact that it was a retread. 
Like that's what it was. It wasn't. It, it was. A, he played a trick on the audience, and mm-hmm. much like how Rob and I discussed for an hour before we started recording, it's essentially what Disney does with the MCU now. It's just, um, it's fluff. It's br- <laughs> it's it's bread before a meal. Yeah, there's yeah. no substance to it. Yeah, it's and, the bread. It's it, the it, the waiter or the food. The service is taking so long that they just keep bringing you bread to fill you up and make you wait longer. Yeah. I think that's the best analogy we have so far for the mystery box. It's bread at a restaurant. Okay, I like that. I, I like that I can come on here and give Zach good analogies because I, I still remember my my bottle cap puzzle piece one from the holiday episode. Yeah, that was that, brilliant. That's great. Yeah, that's a, I was thinking about that. And I was like, hot damn, I wouldn't try and cut a bottle cap to fit it into a puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Someone should go to a, like a, a like the old folks' home where they have all the puzzles and like bring a bottle cap and be like, "See, I got the extra piece you lost." The old people D- start. It's DLC. <laughs> <laughs> this puzzle's DLC. <laughs> oh my god! The old people start throwing their walkers at you. That's what we're kind of going into this discussion, like looking at. Because as I was watching this, and especially how, like, because Rob hasn't listened to last week's Knights of Vader episode, but just to recap, the 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 major. Th- Thing to come out of episode 9 Spoiler rumor discussion Is that there's a MacGuffin In episode mm. 9 that's Controversial in, in theory But not as much in execution And as we all Know from The Force Awakens The MacGuffin of that film was The map to Luke Skywalker Originally it was Luke Skywalker's Lightsaber hence you have Lines of dialogue from Kylo Ren In The Force Awakens with Rey and the lightsaber Saying that belongs to me um, the, the shot from the trailer Of Maz Kanata handing the lightsaber Over to Leia that was The original MacGuffin of the film and for whatever Reason J.J. changed it whether it be the studio's Interference Lucasfilm's Interference or just it didn't work in Editing they reshot a lot of That film and considering yeah. how secretive the current culture is at Lucasfilm, Disney, and just JJ's mindset, it'll be uh, maybe 30 to 50 years from now we'll learn what that original cut of the film looked like, but I wouldn't hold my breath as long as he's alive. Maybe okay. maybe when he passes away from old age, we'll finally learn what that is when, when, when our cells are close to the nursing home. But <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to learn what that film is supposed to be. Um, anytime soon, but no. So that's kind of what we're looking I, for in this discussion. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say when we're nearing the nursing home, but we're never gonna make it that long. <laughs> well, that that too. That too. Oh, um, as the politicians keep telling us, we're gonna be all gone in less than twelve years. Which uh, hopefully that is the case. So you don't have to listen to this podcast anymore. <laughs> so no. So okay, Rob. So okay, what what do you think we could learn from Return of the Jedi that could be applied to Episode Nine? Okay, um, I, I hope Zach is not upset by this, but I really do want to start with a, a little bit, a little bit, Zach, please, discussion of the title. Is that okay? Uh, considering that we might not ever get a title to this film, why not? Sure. So, so I, have, I, have, uh, I have many joking answers. I won't go through all of them. I think if Zach remembers, I was giving him joke titles for episode nine before we even started this podcast. The best one being... They found another one because I want episode eight to be the last Jedi. And then episode nine is they found another one. <laughs> but I, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about the use of our words in these kind of ends of trilogies, return of the Jedi, revenge of the Sith. And I was trying to think of an R word that would go another one. Cause I don't think you should reuse them. Like it'd be return revenge and something else, maybe rise, maybe, you know, reconvene i don't know what what would be good for movie titles 
But for some reason, when I was thinking about the inclusion of an R word, I got it stuck in my head that maybe this title would be something about balance for the Force. Because hasn't that been a thing throughout all of Star Wars, that there's always supposed to be balance to the Force? Yes, and, and the balance of the Force, back when, God, this was a couple of weeks ago now, that we, everybody felt we were kind of like on the precipice of the Episode Nine title. That was floating mm. around, balance of the Force. And apparently it's a pinball game, like a digital pinball game you can download for like iOS and <laughs> Android. So what what probably is the best title for episode nine? They wasted on a digital pinball game. Um, but yes, I agree. Okay, what about, Most people what, agree that Balance of the Force would have been a great title. Okay, but I want to take balance and I want to get that R word in there. So what do you think of something like restore to balance or restoration of balance? Or I don't know, that seems too long, you know, that's too many syllables. Well but I I was really trying to think of an R word. And then two or of, and then balance. <laughs> like I was playing a very restrictive Mad Libs when I was well, thinking about the episode nine title. One thing that also, again, and nobody thinks of Star Wars or Disney this way, but I think, again, you have to look at it under this prism is that originally when they started doing the Star Wars spinoff films, the, the, like with Rogue One, it was originally Rogue One, a, a Star Wars anthology film. That was the original subtitle. Okay. And then they changed it a couple, I think it was either a couple or a few months later, to obviously title a Star Wars story. And the reason why they changed it to that was that, guess what? It didn't translate well into other languages. Oh, and guess what? really good point. And you can't disenfranchise the foreign market. Absolutely. And that, yeah. and that's one of those things where when it comes to a title, it's got to be brief, concise. Um, I, to give a, a real life uh, movie example, I think it was John Cleese. Gave, I think there's like a couple of years after Skyfall came out. Uh, if anybody remembers their Pierce Brosnan era James <laughs> Bond, John Cleese was Q. Yep. And John, somebody asked John Cleese, about like, oh, what's it, what do you think now that like they don't use, like, Q's not really a big thing in James Bond anymore. And he made some, again, he went on and on. John Cleese obviously does not know how to censor himself in today's culture. And he said something like, oh, there's a reason why in the new James Bond films there's very little dialogue and it's mostly action. And that's there to appeal to the foreign markets because you don't have to translate action sequences. Yep. And that, and again, that is a very cynical take, but it's also not wrong. Yeah, and that's yeah. and, and that's why I think with a title, it's going to be like I, I think today the rumor, and again when everybody's hearing this, it's going to be at least a week ago. It was um, oh god, what was the title going around today? It was uh, a a only hope or something. Okay, let me, I'll pull mm. it up real quick. But it was something a a something hope, and and I still think that the hope part is right. A couple weeks ago when Zenger and I were predicting. Um, episode titles That's one of the ones that we were kind of predicting Yeah that's okay this is what it is It was The Only Hope Star Wars Episode hope. 9 The Only Hope And there's, and that makes sense It's short concise and to the point yeah, But at the same yeah. time though you have to look at it again They already have two films In the sequel trilogy that begin with the word The They're mm-hmm. not going to have another film begin with the word The They're just not because they'd yep. be afraid that people will get confused. Again, market research, again, somebody who had to take a stupid market, who, who has their degree in marketing, I can tell you that that ain't going to fly. Market research is going to say, nope, you already have, we already let you have two of them. We're not going to let you have a third. Yeah. Yeah. We need an R word. <laughs> you need an R word. You need, I think it's, if you look at Star Wars, you have, again, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. We are due for a, 
blank of the blank title. We're due yes. for an of the. Yes, and I think that second blank is going to be balance. <laughs> that, I agree. Like Again, if I didn't know any better, I swear to God, they'd call the film Return of the Balance or Return of the Hope or Balance of the Hope. They would just shove all these SEO terms in here <laughs> and hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> again, not you, to be cynical. What do you think about Return of the Revenge of the Jedi of the Sith to Restore Balance to the Force Hope? What do you so think? Many, it's still not as bad as the title of the Millennium Falcon ride at, Dis, at, at the theme parks. Star Wars colon Galaxy's Edge colon uh, uh, Millennium movie, Falcon. Movie ride for theme parks? <laughs> Essentially. That's what it is. It's Star Wars colon Galaxy's Edge colon Smugglers Run colon the ride. Like, I'm not joking. There's like three or four colons in there. That's legit the title. And you look at that. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy that, like, could, can you just call it, like, like Star Wars Smuggler's Run Like why can't you just call it that The whole thing is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Just call it Smuggler's Run Yeah, yeah. Nope. You gotta have all those terms in there for the SEO The SEO has to be optimized mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how these people Remember folks like that's another thing to bring it back to JJ For a second is that like I was thinking like, as I was watching Return of the Jedi Today and during the Ewok sequences Which we know those will not be in the film Because JJ is one of those people that does not like the, He's part of that mindset the Ewoks okay. are stupid that was only... something I, I'm gonna bring that up again later But okay okay I hear you <laughs> Well, okay, Ewoks might be in okay, I'm sorry, when I say Ewoks in episode nine, I don't mean literally like Ewoks from from uh Endor. Yeah. I mean just like uh, cute little things to sell toys. I was um, see my I think my question, not to jump the gun too much, but I, I was thinking maybe he would bust out the Wookiees instead of the Ewoks. Because we saw the Wookiees in uh, episode three. And, you know, I, I know that we talked about how Lucas wanted them to be Wookiees or they originally were planned to be Wookiees in episode six. So I, I think, I don't know, could that come back? Could it be like a return now that Han Solo's dead, Chewbacca has to return to, to Lumpy and, and his family and we get some Wookiee action? Well, we can only hope that we get some holiday special imagery. We can only Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's the... That is the biggest wish on my Christmas list this year. <laughs> only can hope. The biggest thing should really... It, Uh, There's a rumor going around. I haven't heard it recently, so who knows how true it is. But is that apparently this film's going to, quote, unite all of Star Wars. And a lot of people are misinterpreting that, I think. Again, this is my opinion, not trying to put words in anyone else's mouth. But I think they're like, oh, we're going to go to Naboo. Oh, we're going to go to Geonosis. Oh, we're going to go to Tatooine. Oh, we're going to go to Cloud City. I don't think it's going to be that. I think we're. Is Ge- oh, Geonosis is from the Attack of the Clones. The Clones, right? yes. The, I, was the beginning just, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's another example, folks. If Rob doesn't know what that is, they're going to assume the majority of the audiences don't know what that is. So we're not going back to Geonosis. Ooh, I'm, I'm like a focus group here. <laughs> oh, pretty much. That's why I, I really say it's important to, to have people on Star Wars podcasts that don't aren't ingrained in this or not yeah, steeped yeah. in this because that's how Disney's looking at Disney's not making star Wars films for the hardcore people. They've remember, this is a business. They're, yeah. they're not making, uh, 
McDonald's isn't going to remake a Big Mac for the person that eats a Big Mac every day at lunch. They're going to redo. Like I think they're putting bacon now on Big Macs. They're not doing that for the guy who eats the Big Mac every day. They're yeah. doing that for the person who goes into a McDonald's maybe twice a year. Yeah. That's what it is. They're not interested in catering to Star Wars podcasts. They're interested in catering to people that don't think about Star Wars. You're absolutely right. That's a great. That's a great analogy. Another food analogy, Zach. Yeah. Awesome. But- Thank you. You're so right. You know, I, I think I've stated it before, maybe not recording, but to Zach, I absolutely love Big Macs. I'm never going to get one with bacon on it. I don't need bacon on my Big Mac. It's amazing. But those people who were like, oh, McDonald's is gross. It's, you know, as Zach, I think, said to me once, that's the uh, the Big Mac special sauce is Thousand Island dressing left out in the sun. <laughs> those people, they get some bacon. They're more inclined to come in. You're absolutely right. That is how every company is looking at their products, especially ones they're releasing every three years. Well, in the case of Disney, every three months. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be. It, it's funny. Every three years seems so quaint now in uh, retrospect. Yeah. We well, can only hope. <laughs> well, I remember even like, – okay, not remember. A couple of days ago, I was uh, going through my Revenge of the Sith DVD, and there was an insert in there. And it's like, feel the force, one, or no, uh, the final chapter of the Star Wars saga. And I'm like, how quaint of a notion. Something <laughs> final in Star Wars in the same yeah. sentence. And it's like, okay, but getting back to the original point, though, is that I think that's how Disney's looking at this when it comes yep. to s- selling it. They're looking at it as, an, okay, how do we bring more people on board? It's not catering to people that are already on the sh- uh, along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, 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 guess, I guess that goes to my question then is, you know, when, when you said, you know, they were going to unite Star Wars and a lot of people were thinking about this in, in the incorrect way to some extent. I think that's where I'm coming from more with my my Wookiees question, because the Wookiees, I think, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, that's something everybody knows. Everybody knows Chewbacca. Everybody's going to know Wookiees that look like Chewbacca. And and I feel that there's some part of the nostalgia, maybe not nostalgia of of J.J. Abrams, but that hatred that he's expressed for the prequels of saying something like I can take that battle in Revenge of the Sith that happens on the Wookiee planet and make it a million times better. And that's kind of where I'm thinking he's going to pull the inspiration from Return of the Jedi, and at the same time, he's going to improve upon something he feels needs to be improved upon. That's interesting, because we are at some point in this film, in rumors and and stuff, in the leaked set photos, we are going to a jungle planet. It's not Kashyyyk. It's not Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk is the Wookiee planet, Yes, it's the the Wookiee homeworld. And then Endor is the Ewoks one. Yes. The Redwoods, yes. <laughs> see, 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 yes, the Redwoods, the Northern California, yeah. and because uh, Lucas, see, Luke, business, Lucas shot there because it was cheap, or it was more cost effective than going to Tunisia or Scandinavia for Hoth. But again, going back to the point, though, so yes, there is a cleverness to that. I get it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, though, I think part of it is. Revenge of the Sith. We don't acknowledge Revenge of the Sith. Re- Revenge of the Sith is is a dirty word. We don't. I know. We do I, was, not... that's, I was torn in a lot of my notes because I know that's something that he thinks, and, and you've expressed quite a bit before. So yeah, that's tough. It's tough though. He doesn't want to be associated with the prequels. He's a he's above that, and I and that's what it is. It's not. It's yes. I think we are going to get those Endor. Uh, the Endor thing with cute little I don't want to say cute little animals But like that same sort of just like jungle thing Because if you look at it, it's, it's a different type of jungle For what we're seeing of episode 9 It's a, a, a much more 
Oh God, like a, a Yavin Four jungle, much more. Think more rainforesty as opposed to a Northern California jungle or forest. Okay, that that's what we seem to be getting. Episode nine, because at this point for episode nine, we have a couple of locations. We know that they're going to Jordan, the, the country of Jordan. So you are going to have a a sand <laughs> desert. They're going to see Petra. <laughs> Maybe. Where, didn't they, didn't, isn't it the. I, Temple of Doom, not Temple. No, the third. What's the third? The Last Crusade. Yeah. Isn't that filmed at Petra? Isn't some yep. of that filmed in front of Petra? Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's precedent. Uh, there's precedent. <laughs> yes, Lucasfilm has precedent there. Uh, now they got to save it though for Indiana Jones Five. That's going to come out uh, 15 years from now. <laughs> Obviously, there's more than enough stuff in sound stages that we're not really aware of, and there's and there's the jungle. I forget exactly where it is. But the specific location, there's a bunch of, and obviously they're filming in England. There's a bunch of stuff on sets and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we know for certain so far. And I know there's a big thing that there's the, the horses with CGI markers all over there, their, their heads and, and bodies. They're going to be star Wars horses because nothing says uh future like horses, but whatever. I want to see, I want to see an elongated stormtrooper mask built to fill, <laughs> to fit a horse. That'd be so funny. <laughs> That, yeah, that would be good. That's it. Remember, you can't laugh. Remember, Star Wars is not allowed to be funny. That's, oh, that's the first right. rule. Yes, Star Wars is not allowed to be funny. Not allowed to make humor. You can make quips, but it's not allowed to be humorous. Yes, yes. You're I not forgot. allowed to. My apologies. <laughs> remember that. No care. You're not allowed to laugh at the expense of a character in Star Wars. That's not allowed. Market research says so. I don't know if there's going to be anything because remember, JJ is part of those original trilogy fans that see the Ewoks as bad. Remember, okay. Ewoks were just there to sell toys; they're not there to add to the story. And he's part of that mindset too. He's part of those fans that really the only there's only two good Star Wars films: A New Hope and Empire. Jedi is still better than the prequels, but not by much. And so I don't know if he'll include any sort of thing like that because I think that could be con- misconstrued as oh, Wookies are there to sell plush toys. Okay, okay, but, I could see that. But, a, yeah. but they made a big point in all the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge news that all the Star Wars creatures will have unique plushes at Galaxy's Edge. Like, there's going to be a Tauntaun that looks different from any other stuffed Tauntaun, a Bantha that looks different from every other Bantha. There's going to be p- uh, stuffed Porgs, uh, stuffed... Um, Oh my loft cats. Rob doesn't know what a loft cat is. You're going to have is that, that. Is that like a crystal fox? <laughs> no, it's not a crystal fox. It's okay. <laughs> no mention of crystal fox ones. I love that. Some kids like, hey mommy, I want this. Ow, it put my eye. Or no, it's I'm sorry, let me redo that. <laughs> let me redo that. Sorry, That's Johnny. Funny. It'll put your eye out. <laughs> I'm just imagining a kid picking up a crystal fox like from a shelf. And he's so excited that he moves it towards his face too fast and it stabs one of his eyes. <laughs> Pretty much. See, but that's guess what? You can't like even if you're part of the Disney Star Wars Galaxy's Edge team for merchandising and you pitch that, you get told no because we can't do that. Someone could hurt themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's one of my another one of my favorite Disney theme park stories was that back in the early two thousands, or maybe even the late nineties, I forget, uh it, Magic Kingdom in Florida, there was Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, one of the Oh god, one of the earliest of sacred cows That was destroyed during the Disney Florida thing, and they replaced it with A Winnie the Pooh ride And in front of that ride, they had like a a Play area, where they had like Oh god, um It was was called like Tigger's Bouncing Spot And essentially, in the concrete or asphalt They had these little rubber Mounted springs Oh god Well no, like, okay, but like, imagine like The same material that they use for a kickball 
like yeah. that same sort of like rubber and under it was like a really like oh god like super like oh god uh, no, i'm sorry it was a very barely condensed spring so kids could like like kind of like do a hopscotch on it and they'd bounce uh, but not like yeah. seriously like trampoline bounce sure. but like it like like a little bit of a spring in your step and the big joke is that like unless you were there for opening day for the first like three hours guess what D- disney legal stepped in and said nope you can't have it and within like three days of the thing being like uh, uh opened it was uh, cemented over Okay, gotcha. and that's what Disney does. All the corners have to be shaved off because you can't offend anybody. Like even today, perfect example of Disney uh, afraid of offending people. The Avengers Endgame trailer two came out, and the corresponding theatrical poster came out. And on on top of every Avengers poster, they have they have the cast, the top build cast. And guess what? The actress that plays Okoye, the head of the Dora Milaje for, for Black Panther, she's mm. on the poster, but her name wasn't on the t- on the top billing. And guess what? People compl- like the poster was like released at 8 a.m. today, and enough people on Twitter complained about it that by five o'clock they released a new poster with her name on it. With the thing was, she was there but was not forgotten. And that's just another. I'm not again. I'm not condemning or condoning. I'm just showing you that if even one person complains about something with Disney, they will they will take it down to appease that one person. It doesn't matter if everybody else didn't care about it, but if one person has a problem with it get everything gets it gets wiped off the table yeah and that, yeah, yeah and those are the same people that are making executive decisions when it comes to episode nine like they're having that discussion it's like oh uh we want to give ray a new lightsaber up oh, can't do that might offend somebody some man baby might cry in the audience that you know what uh blue is the blue or Green is the color of money, and that means greed. So people will claim that we're too capitalistic. So we might offend <laughs> the socialist in the audience. Can't get like, but that they have meetings like that. Like that yeah. is a legit oh, yeah, thing that yeah. they think about, and that's why I mean that. So it's like, okay, what's the safest thing that we can do? Uh, uh, just give her the same lightsaber. But wasn't that destroyed in the last movie? But the market research says the people will be able, won't complain about that. Okay, then give her the exact same lightsaber. And and that's why I mean, though, those are the sort of decisions that are being made for this, because as I was and I know we're getting off the beaten track, there's a lot of Disney bashing on this. And I don't I don't I, I try to be objective here, but it's really hard. To, like You can again, a lot of times when you're being objective, you have to criticize something. I'm sorry, folks. The real life, real world has uh, jagged edges. You, you can't you can't file the edges off no matter how hard you try. Um, but as I was watching Return of the Jedi, though. And I was thinking, because I know there's a big thing, I'm not sure if Rob's aware of this, is that there's a big thing in the Star Wars fan community called Raylo. Rob, do you know what Raylo is? That sounds like a combination of Ray and Kylo to be in a relationship. Bingo. I mean, I, I have never heard of that before, but I lived through the age of Brangelina, so I know what's going on. <laughs> oh, man. Mid-2000s media culture and uh, pop culture. <laughs> so, um... Uh, uh, I mean, sure. I, I don't know if you asked your question yet. No, I mean, no. I, well, I, I, I was st- I was laying it out for you. Oh, oh okay, 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 point. okay. But my thing is, like, there's a lot of fans that say, okay, we want that. We want a romance between our our heroine protagonist and our uh, villain antagonist. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at that, going, oh, they can't do that. First, uh, any feminist fans will say, well, Ray doesn't need a man. 
Yeah. That's misogynistic. She doesn't need a man to be complete. That's I'm offended by that. And then two, there's the other fan group. And again, in drawing parallels from the Marvel and MCU, which everything in Hollywood has to be based around the same business model, even though it is a fluke, is you can't have Ray and Kylo Ren get together because that would be a heterosexual ro- uh, relationship. That would offend people. People would be like, well, I'm offended. Why Why does it have to be a man and a woman together? That I, We're progressive. This is Disney. This is this is irresponsible. You're you're per- perpetuating antiquated relationship norms. I imagine that's a sentence that's probably been said more times than I can imagine. Yeah, the and, only relationships they will tolerate are between what genetically engineered women and <laughs> and embodied infinity stones, right? <laughs> pretty pretty much. Because and again, I'm I'm not saying this condemning or condoning. I am just ref- I am holding up a mirror to the culture. And like Rob already pulled the MCU into this. Like, look at the MCU. There's I I think there's only been what two on screen kisses, maybe three in the entire forty five long history film um 45 film long history of the mcu uh pepper Potts and robert downey jr kiss in iron man 2 okay and in avengers infinity war and okay. then you have in uh, uh what was it civil war aaron Rodgers kisses the woman from the resident oh yeah and you look at that and you go Think about it. this is a a forty five film long series, and there's one romance in the entire series. Hmm. And you know why? Because it's, they're it's offensive. They're afraid that if they have that too predominantly in the films. At least the Gwyneth Paltrow Iron Man thing is at least kind of grandfathered in from the beginning of it. So most people will leave that alone. But yeah. like there there are people out there. There are hardcore fans of Marvel, and there's many of them that want uh, uh, Bucky Barnes and Aaron Rodgers to be to be a couple. They want that. <laughs> oh, don't you don't you laugh, you homophobe! Don't you laugh. And, and guess what? <laughs> Don't laugh. You're gonna get a hate mail. I'm laughing. I'm just laughing at the like what I know about them from the comics. <laughs> Why that would be so unfitting. I, I, I know it is, but but don't tell these people that. And guess what? Infinity War reinforced that. Because if you look at the Captain America history chrono- uh, chronologically from, from the MCU, not from the comics, is that think about it, in Civil War, he kisses the actress from the re- from the the, the resident. And yeah. guess what? Infinity War, the entire world, is, the universe is going to hell. And guess what? There, he doesn't ask once about her. Where, where is she? How is she doing? Why isn't she in this fight? But guess what? Bucky is there and he puts his, his, his hand on his shoulder. And guess what? That, that part of the Marvel MCU fan base lit up at that moment. He chose, he was there with Bucky over the, that character from the Civil War. And guess what? They're not wrong for thinking that way. Disney, Disney gave them what they wanted. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't lay it out as explicitly as they want it. But it, guess what? There's more evidence there for what they want than contrary. And that's why I mean against Raylo. And plus, I, I don't know JJ's handling of relationships in movies. Um, the Zoe Saldana Zachary Quinto relationship in the Star Trek films. Oh God! Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't imagine a more uh, uh, fumbled romance in a in a blockbuster in recent memory. Um, like, talk about the the antithesis to sexual chemistry in a blockbuster. Um, Super 8, those were children actors, so hopefully there's no sexual chemistry there. <laughs> um, I, don't, I do not recall. 
I, again, I, I don't remember either. I saw Super 8 once. I forgot about it. But I, 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 at least that's tastefully done. It's not as, uh, like I said, it's, it's a cute, like, coming-of-age romance, I guess. So we'll give him the benefit, doubt, benefit of the doubt okay. there. But then looking at, like, Mission Impossible, like, with him and Michelle, Tom Cruise and Michelle Monaghan, it's like, oh... Like, I know there's a scene where he has like a th- like a, a bug up his nose that explodes and like the form of like like romance is him like her like uh, oh god using a defibrillator on him. <laughs> like I don't know like there's no romance in that movie like the entire romance of that movie is just them having a dinner party and she's like you'll promise you'll never lie to me right he's like oh yeah baby and then like he's like I got a bug he has he's like bleeding from the nose he's like I got a bug in my head you have to shock me with 4000 volts or I'm going to die <laughs> and I'm like that's weird like like uh, sweet sweet that talking might be the best that may be the best possible relationship in my eyes <laughs> <laughs> like okay i guess it I, I i don't know but again bringing this back to return of the jedi i got a bug in my head I'm pretty sure. Like, okay, Rob, Rob likes inserting clips into the Cinematis podcast. So. I, I will look for that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the thing he says in that movie to her. I have a charge in my head. I'm gonna die unless you kill me. What? Throw the switch on and off. Don't forget you off. I can't do that. You can bring me back. I'll come back. I can't. You have to. There's no time now. Please. <laughs> I love you. But that's what I mean by the romance. Because even if you look and bring this back to Return of the Jedi, like you look at Return of the Jedi, and there's it doesn't have a tenth of the romantic effervescence as Empire does. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Like the only really, really spark of romance we have in Return of the Jedi is um, the stormtroopers show up to Leia and Han in front of the bunker, and they go, "Don't move!" And she shows she she has the blaster kind of like under her tunic, and he's like, "I love you," and she goes, "I know," and she shoots him. And that's oh, kind of yeah. the that's the furthest extent of the romance in that movie. Other than that, it's just like, oh, that's a thing that was established prior, and I guess we have to carry it forward. Yeah, sure. sure. Because again, I think I said a couple of weeks ago that like in the deleted scenes for Return of the Jedi, Luke and Leia kiss. Like oh. that's. That's right. Yeah, I've seen that scene before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, like, Lucas really didn't throw that out until, like, the 11th hour. And, like, <laughs> oh, there was still sexual tension amongst siblings. So, yeah, that's so that's another that. element. I don't, again, things that we can cross off the list for, for episode nine from JJ's perspective. No cutesy creatures, but maybe. Okay. okay I'm sorry. We're putting a question mark next to the cutesy creatures because the marketing department says we need to sell merchandise at the theme parks. And that yes. would be a great place to do that. So we're going to yeah. put that as a question mark. And then when it comes to romance, can't have a romance, dis- might disenfranchise certain members of the audience. Okay, okay. I gotcha. And that- See, I, didn't, I wasn't predicting a romance. I do have a, a comment on the brother and sister aspect, though. Please, go ahead. I think they're going to reveal... That Kylo Ren and Finn are brother and sister. Not necessarily in that order. What do you think? I want everybody, I'm calling it right now. That's going to be the big plot, plot twist in the third act. That they're, they're brother and sister. <laughs> you just offended at least 35% of the audience. Hey, okay, well, I just said one of those previously established male no previously assumed male characters is really going to be a woman 
So that checks off our transgender box, Zach. Well, true, true. But remember, they also there's also a, mem- a portion of the audience feels you shouldn't be commodi- oh god commoditizing these things. Isn't that what literally this entire movie is? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but these people don't realize how 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 movies work and how okay, how yes, show right. business is business. Yes, you are you are correct. You are correct. <laughs> again, there are people out there that look at this and they're again, and God bless them. They are naive. They look at this and say, you know what? Disney's Disney is treating this with the utmost respect. They're not doing this to make money. They're doing it for the fans. There are people that that genuinely believe that. And like I said, I wish I were that naive. Yeah, uh, it would be blissfully ignorant, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really would be. It's like it, it's a beautiful thing. It's like, yeah, keep on to hold on to that child childlike naivete as long as you can, folks. The yeah, moment that a, gets destroyed, you can never put it back together. There's a crud bump clip I'm thinking of that would fit perfectly here, but we would have to bleep out most of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, okay, okay I, li- I like what you've crossed off the romance. And the cutesy creatures. That's that's good. Well, question mark next to the cutesy creatures. Yeah, yeah. They'd have, they'd have to have some, you know, little twist to them or something to make them a little more edgy. But they'd look cute, but then be dangerous or something. I don't know. Something nonsense like that. They have to be cutesy, but not annoying. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the porks. Like the porks were the perfect balance between, oh, this is cute, but they didn't hit people over the head with it. I don't know if I'd go that far. Those things are ugly. <laughs> but guess what? Though? They sold a crap. Ton Fair. of merchandise Fair. around porks. Fair, yeah. So it yeah. worked. It, they designed it for that purpose, and it paid off. It was yeah. it was a calculated decision, and they were rewarded appropriately. Yeah, ninety percent of those sales were to Zenger, right? <laughs> Heyo, taking uh, shots behind his back because he'll probably never listen to this episode or talk <laughs> to me again. <laughs> oh God. So okay, next question for Rob because I kind I badgered. Zenger with this last week. I'm gonna okay. badger Rob with it now. Okay. We talked about what the MacGuffin of episode nine is uh, gonna be. I knew you were gonna ask this. So Rob, ba- not to repeat myself from last week, what do you think the MacGuffin of episode nine will be? Okay, so I, I was definitely thinking about this, and um, you know, I, I think that when you first brought this up on Knights of Vader, I think you discussed things like um lightsabers and and Jar Jar's bones, Jar Jar Binks's bones was discussed as well. Yes. But I, I was trying to think about this, and, and this is where I really think I started to get in my head something for the more modern age. Or maybe not drawing from Return of the Jedi or from previous Star Wars films, but doing something that, you know, like we've been saying, is going to appeal to that mass audience. And, and so I don't know if this is the thing. I don't know if I've refined my idea completely. But when I thought about the MacGuffin, I, I, I thought of there would be something that's basically like the heart of the force. And I would think about that as controlling all the midichlorians in the universe or something, but I know he doesn't like midichlorians, but it's basically like the Tesseract, but for the force. And both people are like trying to go after it. Or what are the, the rebels and the, the, the first order? They're yes. all going after it. Cause it's like whoever controls the heart of the force can like control the universe or something like that because there's no as far as i know i've only seen force awakens and the last jedi once but there's no more big bad guy right there's no more hovering evil force like we had with the emperor going into return of the jedi so i i feel like they have to make this a collect quest just to fill in that gap 
All right, because I was thinking about that because <clears throat> a major hallmark of Return of the Jedi is obviously the appearance of the Emperor. Mm-hmm. That is a as a major portion of the film, and with Lord Emperor Snoke being gone, you would think that would remove that element of the film. But considering that again, everything is nostalgia. Nostalgia has to be protected no matter what. The same way that Ray has to have the same broken lightsaber. The same way Kylo Ren has to have the broken helmet. You gotta bring back pre-existing okay. things. And this is a rumor going around. The rumor is obviously the Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren come back from the unknown regions. What what is what is that? What is Good the Knights question. of Ren? Have we ever heard about that before? <laughs> Yes, okay, everybody, okay, see, folks, this is the problem with dealing with a layman. Yes, they're good getting that outside perspective, but you have to explain to them the context. The Knights of Ren are, if you think back to The Force Awakens, we don't even know for certain. The Knights of Ren are technically okay. only mentioned once, and they're in, in The Force Awakens. Oh, okay. Lord Emperor Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren, and he goes, you are Kylo Ren, uh, the son of Darth, or the, 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 the lineage of the Skywalkers, the, masters of, the master of the Knights of Ren. That is the only official mentioning they ever have in Star Wars. Okay, that makes me feel better that I didn't remember it. <laughs> well, and the thing that, that led them into because when Kylo Ren was first announced as the villain of Star Wars, everyone's like, oh, what? again, that's a, that's a Star Warsy name if there ever was one, Kylo Ren. Yeah. And then in like August of 2015 or wherever, and entertain, I swear it was Entertainment Weekly, but it could have been like Empire or one of those other film mm. magazines, periodicals. As an offhand comment, JJ said, Oh, the Knights of Ren are an organization that Kylo Ren is the head of. And that was it. That was the only context. And that became kind of like you what think? <laughs> that seems like the most obvious answer. I could have guessed that. <laughs> but the thing was, but this was prior to the film, though. This is before the film ah, came out. Oh, so okay, okay. this was the big thing, like, oh wow, his name isn't Ky- like he wasn't born uh Jar Jar Binks or, or Kylo Ren. Yeah. Obviously, this is a name that's taken on. So obviously this is some sort of alias. This yep. is something again, which we did learn from that film that his real name was Ben Solo. One of the few secrets about that film that did not leak until the the premiere and but with that one comment jj made it exploded very similarly to the same thing that happened during the original trilogy with obi-wan talking about the clone wars it became this very mystical abstract idea that people glommed onto because there was nothing behind it it was basically a blank canvas the knights of ren became anything a star wars fan wanted and that's why sure and that's why they after the the "Quote unquote backlash to the Last Jedi, they became this thing because they're now the Clone Wars of the sequel trilogy, and because we and, and it's not even we don't even know for certain, but and there's that one sequence in the Force Awakens where Rey has her Force vision when she touches the Luke Skywalker lightsaber, and she sees Kylo Ren on a oh god, I don't, it's like a I don't know if I haven't seen I haven't watched that scene in a while, but it's like mm-hmm. a rainy. And we see him there, and there's a bunch of people behind him, and they're all dressed in, like, black garb, similarly to how he's dressed in The Force Awakens. Okay. Everyone just presumes they're the Knights of Ren. Oh, and, okay. And that's why, they've, that's why they've been built up as this big, super-duper thing. And the rumor for Episode Nine is the Knights of Ren come back from the, quote, beyond. And nobody knows what that means. Again, that's not official. That's all hearsay, conjecture, speculation, whatever word you want to call it. And the rumor is they come back because of Lord Emperor Snoke's death. And because of this, uh, Uh. the the First Order combined with the Knights of Ren 
Because the big thing with The Force Awakens was Kylo Ren really wasn't part of the hierarchy of the First Order. Mm -hmm. He was the Darth Vader of the Empire for them. He was kind of this outside entity or faction that was inserted into their ranks. And that's why him and General Hux have such friction. They are out, he is an outside force. Yeah. He gets in, he gets into their bureaucratic structure. He gets in their way. And so the theory is Supreme Leader Snoke is gone. Knights of Ren come back. Don't they feel Kylo Ren combined with the fir- First Order? I'm sorry. The Knights of Ren combined with the First Order feel Kylo Ren isn't the appropriate person to be leading them. Mm-hmm. And the character that Richard E. Grant is playing is now the new Emperor Supreme Leader. And he's going to have a coup d'etat to remove Kylo Ren from his from his perch, from his power. Okay. Okay. That's the theory. And that but the problem though is that that's that speculation feeds the notion of oh we're going to undo the last jedi that undoes ryan johnson's choice and that's the problem could it be true could it not but again it fits into the notion of we have an outside force that's the puppet strings of all this which is definitely a hallmark again vader isn't the big bad of the sequel trilogy the emperor is the big bad even though Mm -hmm. he's only referenced in empire in a new hope yes he's briefly seen during the the hologram sequence of empire but still uh, vader is the main antagonist of the first two films and this would definitely fill the void that supreme leader snoke leaves yeah, okay, okay. That makes that, some sense. That they, that, they have At least they have a way, I think what we're saying is at least they have a way to get that big bad villain in there so it wouldn't just have to be some collect quest like I was saying. Yes, but at the same time, though, I think it is going to be a collect quest because if you oh, look yeah. at... If you look at that's literally what everything is these days, is a collect quest. I mean, yeah. Infinity War, not to talk about that again, but that was the... Worst example of a collect quest in a movie I'd ever, I've ever seen since, like, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Where we keep looking at the MacGuffin, at, like, in a very traditional sense, like the gold briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Of course, of course. I, or, or again, like Rob said, the Infinity Stones from Infinity War. I think, if you look at Return of the Jedi, could you say planting the charges, or, like, you could say the destruction of the Death Star in... Jedi is the MacGuffin of the film. It's what leads all the I don't know if it's MacGuffin. That might be not the, the correct way to use that term. But it's everything that motivates. It's the catalyst for the plot. Because think about it. Um, Han Solo's entire... Because think about it, There's three different plots that go on in Jedi. There's yeah. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and Leia, and Lando. Yeah. And two-thirds of those revo- revo- revolve around the destruction of the Death Star. Luke is kind of off on his own thing. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm thinking with episode nine, you're going to have a plot because apparently in the, there was a shareholders meeting and there was footage where a Ray, Poe, Finn and Chewbacca are all in the cockpit together. And based on the reports, it was very reminiscent of the scene in Jedi when they're all on the, the Brit, I don't want to call it bridge, but the cockpit of the Imperial shuttle. Apparently okay. it was almost identical to that. Like it was framed almost identical. So is there going to be a scene in this where all of our heroes are are together, they go on a mission to do something, and then they get split apart? Yeah, I could totally see that. I could absolutely see that, 100%, because that, I think, strikes right up again to the nostalgia aspect we've been talking about. And I'm even thinking of, like, lines that J.J. Abrams could reuse and be like, oh, how clever is it? You know, like, what a, the, it's that great line from Return of the Jedi. It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. <laughs> and guess like that, what? That stuff. 
Exactly. Because going back to what could be the MacGuffin of this, I think there's going to be a scene in this, much like how in Jedi they have to go to an Imperial facility to destroy the the, the shield the generator, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a scene in episode nine that our character, our main heroes have to go to a planet who knows what planet it's going to be. It could be a new planet, could be an old planet, but I think it's going to be an Imperial facility looking for something. So instead of going there to blow up the Imperial facility and guess what? Having that Imperial facility gives it nostalgia vibes because it's going to be filled with original trilogy iconography. Mm-hmm. The same way at the end of The Last Jedi The reason, oh, it's like you have a thing Of why they have to go to Crate. Oh, it's an old Rebellion era base And guess what, it has all the technology From the original trilogy era yep, yep. It's an excuse to plug Nostalgia in, at least for the most part mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson was able to mask that With everything else that he was doing so it's not yeah. as noticeable. Again, it, it was always it's what my theory was going into the sequel trilogy. Let the iconography do the heavy lifting, but mm. don't make it hit you over the head as in let's redo X-wings, but this time instead of them having oh god, uh, four circular uh uh engine ports, they'll have two cut in half. It's like, oh god, how original, guys. I hope <laughs> it's like I hope you don't get paid all at once. Yeah. You know, for, for your originality. But I think that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be going to an Imperial facility. And it's going to, like Rob said, it's going to be in First Order territory. And guess what? They'll have to disguise themselves or do something. I don't mean disguises and put in, yeah. put them, put Stormtrooper armor on. But they'll have to do something to mask their identity, their ship's identity. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it'll be something like, oh, and I can imagine JJ doing a play on this where instead of Luke going to Darth Vader, maybe it's Kylo Ren going to the Resistance. Mm-hmm. And Ray, maybe something happens. It's the exact opposite. In, in Jedi, Luke feels there's a disturbance in the Force because something, something, something. He has to confront Vader. Maybe it's the other way around, where oh, Kylo Ren feels a disturbance in the Force, and he has to confront Ray. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That I think that switch that goes onto one of my other notes that I think falls right into what we're talking about. With that, you know, the big battle, I guess, at the end, of, or the, the ground battle, I guess we put it, in at for episode nine. I was thinking the exact same thing, Zach. There's going to be that kind of base defense versus offense, where one side wants to blow it up, one side needs to defend it for whatever reason. But I was thinking we were going to get a switch where it would be the rebels trying to defend a base and the First Order trying to destroy it. But it would be very reminiscent of that whole Return of the Jedi stuff that we've been talking about. Well, so I think I think that switch, if it's not it, the places we've mentioned, that switch is going to be there. I think that is the easiest thing for someone to think of to grab iconography, to grab that nostalgia, and make it a little new. Well, I'm glad you brought up the idea of the reversal of that because, as we talked about last week, and the fact that with because there is also the giant question mark of the Carrie Fisher footage. That ha- think okay. about you are you are uh, the st- the narrative we keep hearing is Force Awakens was Han Solo's movie, Last Jedi was Luke's movie, Episode Nine was Gibby Leia's movie. Okay, and, uh, and obviously when Carrie Fisher died, that entire plan went out the window along with Colin Madman Trevorrow. Yeah. So my theory is okay. The Force Awakens had, as, as everyone's heard me say, but Rob probably hasn't. There was this giant space weapon very death star-esque that leia was going to be in control of called like the warhammer the space hammer 
And guess what? Like Rob said, the switcheroo there, you could might have a scene where that the the first order is trying to fight off a resistance. I don't want to call it invasion, but attack. Yeah. So so you have the first time in Star Wars, you had I wouldn't be against this, but you have the idea of the good guys, or maybe not even, because think about in in Jedi, it's the rebels that are on the offensive. Yep. How do you do that without comparisons to Rogue One? Oh, okay. Oh, that's a good point. Because the one thing we keep hearing about, and I keep saying one thing, mm. one of the many things, one of the few things we keep hearing about episode nine is that there's gonna be this massive space battle. That's gonna be Return of the King level. Just oh my god, it's gonna be it's gonna be mind blowing how much is going on during the space battle. Imagine- I hope it's I hope it's mind blowing because the Return of the King battle was nothing but boring. <laughs> <laughs> but not to normies though. The filthy casuals love the ending to Return of the King. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Remember, you gotta put your filthy casual cap on. That's what I'm thinking, though, is that, oh, how do you do that? Because if you look at the Rogue One battle, the Battle of Scarif, it is a very stripped-down space battle. Even though there's a lot going on in that battle, it's one Rebel capital ship against two Imperial Star Destroyers. Mm -hmm. Yet, if you you dial that up from, like, a 5 to an 11, you get the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. The The beginning of Revenge of the Sith is really cool, and I like that, though. But you have no idea the scale of that battle, never mind any sort of visual grasp of how big it is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because so, again, that was kind of the, the – unless you really were into the ancillary expanded universe media at the time, you had no idea what the scope of that battle was. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel if you – if J.J. goes like – even as I was rewatching Return of the Jedi for this – you really don't even get a firm grasp of how big the battle in Jedi is. Really, the only way you get that is you have that one kind of uh, distant shot. They have all the Star Destroyers, the one Super Star Destroyer in the middle. Mm-hmm. Although, but, but while that battle, like while they're dogfighting, you don't really don't get any idea. Because at one point you see a Star Destroyer blowing up. Another shot you see the Super Star Destroyer crashing into the, uh, the face of the Death Star. Uh, you see two Mon Calamari sh- uh, uh, cruisers being destroyed by the Death Star. You really don't get any sort of, again, uh, uh, the geography of that battle is not laid out as well. And, 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 yeah. for, and for that, it was because of the limitations of technology. I can see sure. that's, that's not anything on the part of the filmmakers. It was technology kind of had them bound. So if you're JJ, how do you do a, like Lucas already did a giant space battle. So how do you do that without, oh God, it just being a... Um, Sensory overload for the audience. I, I mean, that's something I, I, I always think about, you know, and I feel like I always get those sensory overloads when I'm watching those, you know, Avengers movies, those big battles. I have no idea what the hell's going on. I, I think that's that's what a lot of people want to see these days. And that might be another one of the things that, you know, has to get checked off on the list. So, you know, a big sweeping space battle or ground battle with just Every shot is a cool action move and none of it really connects together. That's what I would expect we're going to get, as unfortunate as that may be. Like, if you think about it so far, outside of like the very beginning of The Last Jedi, and even that isn't your typical Star Wars dogfight in space, 
Mm-hmm. Force Awakens didn't have a dogfight in space. Well, there's one brief. If you look very closely in the Force Awakens, and that's one of the very few times that the the you can kind of it's the equivalent of like something being hidden by a fence and there's a little hole in the fence. If you look at that Force Awakens fight, the attack on Star Killer Base. And it's all taking place within the atmosphere on Starkiller Base. There's one shot well into that battle that it's the X-Wings and the TIE Fighters in space. Oh, okay. And and it's a break in continuity. And that's one of the few shots I think is left over from what the original cut of that film was supposed Uh. to be with the Warhammer and all this. Because the original plot breakdown of The Force Awakens, okay, not original, the original rumored plot breakdown was Leia has, like Han Solo does not, Han Solo doesn't take Finn and Chewbacca and get through the the shields by jumping through light speed. He doesn't do it that way. What it was supposed to be was that Leia had this weapon that was designed to punch through planetary shields. And that's what it was. So she's supposed to get there, use the weapon. It gets damaged or blown up in the process. And it's like, oh, God, what do we do now? And that's why why you have the sequence where Poe gets a handful of X-Wings into the atmosphere. And they only have about maybe a dozen X-Wings. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's that's what the original the, the original rumored plot was supposed to be, not this thing like oh Han Solo and Finn shut down the uh, the the shields because they put mm-hmm. a gun to Phasma's head. Yeah, yeah. Which again, another one of those. That, that's another weird sort of discrepancy in the Star Wars fandoms. Like yeah, yeah, fe- feminism in Star Wars. Yas Queen, you take <laughs> the the female antagonist from the Force Awakens, and the male characters literally throw her in the garbage. I'll never figure out how that wasn't a controversy. Never figure that out. How that got that got ignored. Never yeah, ever. Yeah, I, I I think we talked about that a, a long time ago, and I completely agree. That's just crazy. <laughs> Never understand how that got forgiven, but whatever. Going back to the MacGuffin question. Okay. Problem is, I was looking at this and figuring maybe the MacGuffin isn't a thing. Maybe it's a person. Ah, uh, so I think this brings me into one of the other things I wanted to discuss with you because I think. When you talk about MacGuffin being a person, this might fit in there. Are we going to get a first act Jabba's Palace-esque rescue scene? Like breaking somebody out of somewhere. And would that person be the MacGuffin? I'm going to... I, I, this is the part where I have to think between being practical and being mm-hmm. a cynic. Well, me, I, I really want there to be a Jabba's Palace-esque rescue scene, because that's my favorite part of Return of the Jedi. Um, but, you know, of course it'd be different. It would, it would be, you know, I, I hope that we never get a bad rendition or update of that great musical sting. You know, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I want to pitch to you, Zach, before you get into the details on the rescue scene, I did put some thought into who they would be rescuing. Okay. I, I'm going to go, if they had to rescue somebody, it would be Maz. Maz Kanata, is that her name? Yes, Maz, yes. That, that would be my guess. That it wouldn't, you know, of course it wouldn't be Jabba. I don't, I don't think it would be a hut. I think that's too low-hanging fruit. But there'd be some creature that is is holding her captured. Maybe in carbonite, maybe not. And they have to rescue her for whatever reason, maybe to get more information about the lightsaber she had in episode seven. 
Okay, because it's okay. Lupita Nyong'o is is part. She's she's actually fourth. No, yeah, one two. Th- one, two, three, four, five. She's I'm guessing, fifth. I'm guessing this is the person who plays Maz Kanata. <laughs> yeah, who does who does okay. the performance, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, she's fifth build. So yeah, so that's ah. she, she's she's ahead of Dom Hall Gleason, Kelly Marie Tran, Jonas, Suotamo, Chewbacca, and Billy okay. Lord. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe. I, I that's that's a possibility. I could imagine them doing that, and that's kind of like who are we rescuing? Like the film begins with a, a rescue, but we're not told who it is. Yeah, yeah. Practically speaking, I cannot imagine anybody do, starting the film with a rescue. Like I, I, I'm like, there's no way they can do that. It's just, oh god, it's like that'd be so tacky. It's almost like having an Avengers Endgame trailer where it's like, all of our friends are dead and there's no hope. And then the trailer <laughs> ends with them wearing candy cane colored outfits. That would but be tacky, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be tacky. I'm shocked that that someone would approve that. But again, just keep throwing your money at the screen, people. It's only going to get worse. Um, like, okay, but the cynic yeah, part. Type your type your credit card number, expiration date, and security code into the comments to help the Avengers win. <laughs> 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 to help the rebels beat the first order. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yes, exactly. But the cynical part of my brain says. That's what the audience will be expecting, and guess what? It's familiar. the 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 edges are rounded down. Yep. No yep. one will complain if it's what they've seen before, and because there's a there's a rumor going around that because Carrie Russell's in this, which is another one of JJ's favorites. Okay. She's a bounty hunter that has some answers or has some expertise in what finding this MacGuffin might be. Oh, okay. Is she going to be a? Uh... What is it, Man Man Mandalorian? The same as Boba Fett? Uh, no, that? well, that's the wishful thinking element of it. Okay. Well, there's you think the MacGuffs, they have to go and rescue Boba Fett from the eternal digestion of the Sarlacc pit? <laughs> you know the what? MacGuffin? <laughs> I would say yes, but weirdly enough, considering that Boba Fett is like off limits to everybody... I would oh. say that's one of the few things Boba. I can. There's oh god, the Boba Fett thing is so fast. I, I could make a oh god a coast to coast AM like Alex Jones level conspiracy theory episode about why Boba Fett hasn't been in anything. Like there's been like I think about Disney has owned Star Wars now for over six years, and there's only been two Boba Fett figures released. Like I find that like fascinating. Ooh, I He's have o- one of those. <laughs> well, well, you have you have it before with Disney. Oh, but, yes, that's true. Okay, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I have it prior to the Disney, yeah. But, again, Bo- Boba Fett is just one of those strange things. Like, it's clear what when Disney, in the current era of Lucasfilm, when they don't know what to do with a character, they just disappear off the table. And it's okay. just like, okay, we're never going to see that again. The Mandalorian's also a giant, que- the TV show, The Mandalorian, yeah, a giant oh, question right. mark. Because I have to think there's going to be something in that that ties it to episode nine. Like, I wouldn't be surprised that there's some character, and I'm not saying major, or like, let's, because there is the, there's a scene apparently in episode nine from the shareholders meeting where Ray goes to some marketplace. And I wouldn't be surprised that it's the same marketplace that the Mandalorian character goes to. Gotcha. Wouldn't be surprised. And that's and that's when JJ makes comments saying this is gonna tie all Star Wars together. Because guess what? Yeah. Checks that box. 
and that's and that's what it is. So, but again, go, real quick before I go back to uh, uh, Carrie Russell, mm-hmm. like when JJ said, like, "Oh, we're gonna tie all Star Wars together," and a lot of people were interpreting that, like I said, "Oh, we're going back to Coruscant." I think JJ's way of saying we're tying everything together is, "Oh, look, in the background of that one shot, there's a pit droid from Episode One." Like yeah. in the, like in the background, like collapse condensed into like its standby mode. That's his way of saying, "Oh, we're tying this all together." There's a yeah. prop in the background that, unless you freeze frame the 4K Blu-ray at exactly 48 minutes, 33 <laughs> seconds, and 12 microseconds, you're not going to notice it. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see Saboba's skull. <laughs> exactly. You're you're not going to. That's why I mean. That's why I think he means by that. He's not going to have a scene where there's a gungan that helps Ray find the MacGuffin. That, that's agree. not going to happen. I agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Yep. And but get, going back to Carrie Russell, the thing is, is that I feel considering JJ's affinity for her as as a, as a ingenue. Mm-hmm. He might give her some importance, so she might know where the MacGuffin is. Like she, the rumor she's a bounty hunter. And bounty hunters, obviously, they, they they hear all the scuttlebutt across the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think, how would that play in to Return of the Jedi? Like, they're gift. I would imagine there's because okay, uh, okay. I, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm jumping around right here. A lot of this is me just kind of thinking out loud. But um, I had a thought recently about Bot Two and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Okay. And all the leaks and coverage, and this doesn't mean anything to Rob, but even like making Star Wars is saying, oh, they've heard nothing about filming. There's been no Batu scenes filmed. Everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, I guess Batu is not in the film. The principal photography is wrapped, and they haven't shot anything for Batu. Now I was thinking about this, going, why would they build sets for Batu, considering that Batu is about to open come this summer at okay, Disney, yeah. Disney's at Disneyland in Anaheim, Anaheim California. And why would they do that? And what better ad- advertisement for making people want to go there that already aren't going there than showing it in the film, filmed on location, in the actual theme park? And we keep being fed the same marketing of this is the most immersive land Disney's ever made in its 60-year history. Oh, sure. And, and, that would ma- and that would explain why, A, they haven't filmed any of it yet because it's not finished yet. You can't film something and you're not going to spend – a million dollars to build a set for something that's just going to be finished in a couple of months. Plus, both the Florida and the California one, Florida one doesn't really play much into this theory. Okay, it's it's going to be opened in in, to, in in its total completed state by at least August. Everything will be open by then. And guess what? If you're Disney and you're located in Burbank, Anaheim ain't that far of a drive to have Daisy Ridley and John Boyega there for a couple of nights filming. Absolutely. You're not going to do it during. They're not going to shut the park down during the day. But guess what? At night, you could very easily, for o- over the course of a couple of days, film film at night. Have it yeah. filmed at night and say this, and you tie it all in. And that's how you. Because again, I, again, this is the cynical and the practical part of my brain looking at this in perfect merriment, saying, "You're Disney, brand new theme park land, brand new movie." How do you not tie those two things in together? Yeah, that's, that's not the business. To. That's the business decision, exactly. Exactly, and it makes sense. And yes, it's it's very. Uh, it, it, I don't want to say it, it's not cynical because it's practical. It makes sense. Why not promote the new thing in the new movie? They'd be stupid not to. And I think that's what's going to happen with Bot Two. So I wouldn't be surprised that because there is Ooga Booga's Cantina from <laughs> from from the Galaxy's Edge on Bot Two that maybe. Carrie Russell's character is in the bar at Ooga Booga's Cantina 
Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac or whatever characters. It could be Maz Kanata. It could be Kylo Ren. Who knows? Yeah. Go in there looking for her. And guess what? You have you have your bar scene. You have a very Jabba's mm. Palace esque sequence where they go into a shady location trying to get trying to get either information or the MacGuffin. Who knows? Maybe the MacGuffin's there. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's and, okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And that'd be a way you tie this all in. And, it would, and guess what? You can have the, uh, I think it was Chris in the Facebook group calls the the actors there. Weekend, you have the Weekend Warriors, as he called them. Mm-hmm. You have the Weekend Warriors dressed up as Daisy Ridley or Carrie Russell there. And guess what? You get to live out the scene from the movie. Ah. Uh, oh, think, yeah. Perfect. Maybe. That, the whole, uh, th- that makes me think of, um, what was it? Was it Universal? They did a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids World. No, that was that was Disney. That was Disney, okay. Yeah. And and it was that was literally what it was. You can live out the scene from the movie with like the giant ant and the plant, the leaf slide and stuff like that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that uh, uh for Disney fans, Rob, that's gone. That got demolished for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Well, well, I figured. Something <laughs> I like. Something I like isn't around anymore. <laughs> demolished for Galaxy's Edge. Sorry for kind of pinballing around uh, idea wise, but that was kind of thing. It's like, oh, that's the reason why nobody says they filmed those scenes yet. It's because they haven't yep. finished building. They haven't finished quote unquote building the sets yet. Exactly. And yeah, and that's yeah. Like I said, I think that's that's. I don't want to say guaranteed to happen. But that's one of those things where it just it makes sense. I get. I have a feeling. Yeah. No. And, and yeah, I think it's a perfectly uh, understandable understandable rationalization that they would do something like that. They could do something like that, and they want to do something like that. Yep, and, and again, checks all the boxes. Exactly. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know because okay, because there's certain parts of this that we. That's the weird thing about this. We have so little information on episode nine. Mm-hmm. Like even by this time for the Force Awakens, we had we had some pretty good plot outlines by this time for the Force Awakens. Okay, and we don't have a title yet. When is this supposed to be released, Episode 9? Christmas? December 20th, 2019. Okay, okay. So that's that's coming up. Yes. Well, we know, like, a Star Wars celebration is, is April 15th, or the weekend of April 15th. Oh, okay, so that's going to have a, a, hopefully, like, a deluge of information. Oh, right? yes, yes. We're, we're gonna get, it's going to hit us so hard, all that information. Okay, Between okay. the Mandalorian, the cartoon, the video game, Episode 9, Clone Wars Saved. Oh, it's gonna be like I again. It's gonna be kind of like come November, December. I don't know how we're gonna cover it all. I really, it's <laughs> it, as weird as it may sound, folks. There, I do have the concern of how we're gonna cover as much information as that, and that's the problem. That, that used that happened a couple of times. I think it happened back last uh, September of like or no August of 2017. It's just there was so much news, like in the span of like two days, they just kept hitting us with news, and it's like, folks, you gotta. It's like a refractory period. You gotta let it cool. You gotta let it settle. There's a reason why when you make an apple pie, you don't just start eating it as soon as it comes out of the oven. It's got to settle a little bit. It's got to cool. Mm-hmm. Nope. Marketing says you got to dump it all at once. Market research says people respond the best way to it. So whatever. <laughs> but plus, there's a weird thing, too, that Disney does with marketing is that if anybody follows the Disney theme park wars, anytime Universal announces something, Disney immediately counters it with about and then releases some other information that deliberately drowns it out. Okay, interesting. Because recently, 
Universal Studios announced that in Islands of Adventure in Florida, they were. It, it's been God. Everybody, anybody who's been a theme park person knows it's been coming. But they announced the Hagrid's motorcycle roller coaster. Okay. And within like five minutes of Universal announcing that, Disney's like, "We're demolishing the Wonders of Life Pavilion and building a whole new play pavilion with video games and character meet and greets." And guess what? It drowned out the Universal announcement. Ah, gotcha. And it's like, okay, and Disney has that weird game. So let's just say, for example, because Universal apparently is in the process of building a Nintendo land at at theme parks. Okay. So let's say Universal decides to release something really big about that. There's a possibility, like, let's say tomorrow, they're like, oh, Universal's like, oh, look, we're going to have Pokemon Land, we're going to have Mario Land, or whatever that's officially called. Mm -hmm. And there's a very real possibility that Disney goes, oh, crap, we have to... Undercut them, yeah. Undermine them. So here's your episode nine title. Yeah, yeah. That's it makes me thing. think like uh, it's it's two contestants on Price is Right. One of them says a thousand dollars, and then Disney goes one thousand and one. Yep. <laughs> and that's and that's what it is. It's it's a lot of this too. Again, everyone says, oh, D- Disney does stuff for the fans. Disney is very fan friendly. It's like <laughs> no, they weaponize their their IPs in order to tar- torpedo other brands. It's kind of like what happened. Oh god, what was it? Um, oh god, when Batman v Superman was first like well announced, or when it was first dated, it was like they were they wanted to release it like the first weekend of May, mm-hmm. which is typically the Marvel slot, as Rob knows, yes, and most of our audience knows. And then like like a couple months later, it's like oh we're gonna put Captain America Civil War where Iron Man and Captain America fight each other the exact same day. Mm. And it's like again, you are weaponizing, and you are again, it's bullying. As weird as it may sound, oh, again, yeah. it's it's corporate politics. It's it's oh god, it's business. You gotta go, gotta defeat your competition somehow. But it's so oh god, oh god, it, oh god, what's the word for it? It's so just evident. It's just yeah. oh, so yeah, in yeah. your face. And it's like oh my god, people. It's like maybe if your announcement was so much better, you wouldn't have to drown out somebody else's announcement. <laughs> there, there, there used yep. to be some honor amongst enemies, and, and it's like nope, not anymore. We we, we get it's it's a blood sport, and that's the thing. It's like yeah. oh, there's a very real possibility that we get something about this film. Just again, maybe not because JJ is JJ gets what JJ wants, and he might not allow them to use it. I would imagine if this was anything else, then maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe because it is him. That, they, okay. that he maybe wouldn't allow it because I I know he's really big with marketing. He he knows how he wants his films marketed, and no one's going to tell him otherwise. <laughs> but um, that that has nothing to do with Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're talking um, about Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? I'm gonna have to change the title of this episode again. Didn't I do this two months ago with you? <laughs> yeah, deja vu. <laughs> um, but no, like I, that's why I mean though. Like, okay, back to Return of the Jedi. I do think there is going to be elements, and it's not going to be as straightforward. The same way, like yes, Force Awakens is a retread, mm-hmm. but it—it's not like it's like when they did with Stormtroopers. It's like, oh, we have Stormtroopers again, but they're not identical. We tweak them. Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to be with this. It's not going to be a carbon copy okay. of of this. It's going to be we. It's going to be the Jurassic World. It's going to be we tweak everything. So like, oh no, of course not. We're not going to have the characters blow up a an imperial shield facility on the forest moon. Of course mm-hmm. not. That's tacky. We're going to have them go to a installation to find something, and then while they're there, they'll be attacked by the bad guys, and the indigenous population will have to help them. 
Of course, we're not going to copy the exact same thing. We're better than that. We're Disney. We're J.J. Abrams. The last film I produced barely made $40 million worldwide as I asked Disney and Universal for $3 trillion. Is that Overlord? Yeah, that was Overlord. Okay, okay. (laughs) Which, again, goes to show that, again, J.J. is a better producer than he is a director. Like Rob mm. said, he's a great idea man. He just shouldn't be let out let out of the writer's room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I guess I guess speaking of that, speaking of the carbon copy, I think I knew that it wasn't going to be you know an exact replication or anything like that. But but like I think we've been saying, there are those elements from Return of the Jedi that I think will get picked up. And maybe now I want to turn to one of the ones I was thinking that would be a little smaller. I want to preface it with a question because I honestly don't know. Does Ray know that Luke is? passed on i don't know if yes. that is even the right word yeah so at the end of the last jedi she's aware of this yes at the, it's very it's explicitly made known that at the, at the almost the very end of the film she's sitting in the millennium falcon and she goes luke and she's sitting with leia and she goes luke's gone she's like and leia's like i know and and that's it's like okay. but I, don't, I don't feel anger or sadness i feel peace and purpose and that's and yes she is definitively aware of okay of his apps his physical absence Okay, I just wanted to, to get that because I, I didn't know for sure. Um, but but I think either way, if she did know or didn't know, it, my, my guess, not guess, my prediction might still stand. Um, she's going to go back to, and I know this is not the name of it, but this is the first thing I thought of, and I put it in my notes. She's going to go back to the planet Achu. <laughs> is that what it is? Octu? What is it? it? It's pretty close. Octo. Okay, so she goes to Achu, and she's going to, she's going to, be in the jungle or whatever and she's going to have a conversation with luke's force ghost very much like the return of the jedi uh alec guinness sits on a log scene as a ghost what do you think about that something small just that kind of that passing on of or maybe not passing on of the movie or passing on of you know the the responsibility that this character has but really just as kind of like it's a bridge i feel like it's a bridge in return of the jedi it's a very small scene that just gets the second act in motion almost after yoda dies do you think we're going to have something like that? We're going to have a Force Ghost Luke. Oh yes, Luke, uh, Mark Hamill's already uh, in the 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 casting announcement. He's 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 okay. in this. Okay. Uh, Do you think he's going to sit on a log? We can only hope he sits on a log. <laughs> Do you think he's going to sit on a log from the burnt forest tree? Well, this is the thing, though, and I don't know how much they'll do because JJ's the one who found Skellig Michael Island. He's the one who found that. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that the people, the the government behind that is very protective of that island. Very oh, protective. Yeah. Yep. And there's been no, not even a, a hint of a rumor that they went back there. Ah, uh, okay. And, and I know that some of the Octo stuff they did for Last Jedi was filmed in, in a, uh, uh, oh my lord, a soundstage. But I don't think they would try to fake that. Gotcha. I don't because gotcha. that was that, that is very much a JJ thing, and I think he'd feel if they tried faking that in a soundstage, it would take away from it. So okay. I do, I do think Ray will encounter Luke in a jungle of some sort, mm-hmm. or or some place of spiritualness. There will be a scene, but the only thing I have to say, we keep talking about twisting or tweaking things, not twisting, tweaking. Is that I would think it'd be interesting, maybe, that they make because they keep saying in all the like Oscar Isaac had a quote a couple of days ago saying this is the definitive end to the Skywalker saga. Okay, and that's really cute until ten years from now when it's not the definitive end to the Skywalker. <laughs> well, saga. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Episode three was a definitive definitive ending to the Skywalker saga until Disney got involved. Yeah, where's our where's that George Lucas quote when the reporters like, will there be an Episode seven? No, never. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Because there's never going to be a next one until the bank account starts to dwindle, and then there's going to yeah. be another one. So again, mm-hmm. I want. I think I said it a few months ago, but please, people, do not believe that narrative. There's never going to be an end to the Skywalker saga. As long as somebody has a pulse and owns Star Wars, the Skywalkers will never truly be gone from the galaxy. Yeah, you and think then, Disney's going to stop making Kingdom Hearts games because they finished a story? No, they have no other way to advertise Big Hero 6 anymore. So of course there's going to be more Kingdom Hearts games. <laughs> I guess okay. I asked Rob this like like weeks ago on Cinemodies. I don't think he even made it to the recording. But somebody once made the comment saying that Episode Nine feels like uh, Disney's Pocahontas. Oh, and the yeah. same and the same person said, "Oh, the Last Jedi felt like a Kingdom Hearts game to you, or not to you, to to, to them." Yeah. And Rob, I think it's fair to say Rob is an expert on Kingdom Hearts. Maybe I, more uh, so than Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean, for as much as I, I think I said on, on this and and Knights and uh, Cinemodities, I uh, think video games are the worst thing to ever happen to me. But man, I could play some Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> so with that being said, Rob, if the same person said Episode Nine feels like Pocahontas, and they said that The Last Jedi felt like a Kingdom Hearts game to you, please tell our audience what you told me why I, already, why I originally asked you that <laughs> question. If I remember correctly... Did I say that it was like the seals that write the Family Guy jokes from South Park? They just pick up random balls with words on it and form tweets? Pretty much. Okay, okay. Because that, that's when you're saying it again to me, that's what it is. It's like, or or they have dice with different words on them, and they roll it. And they they get they roll one die, and they go, okay, they're like, uh, what is it? The Last Jedi. And they roll another one. Kingdom Hearts! That's great! Let's equate those two. And then, you know, they, two days go by, and you know, they, they've run out of retweets or whatever. And they roll the dice again, and they get, you know, Pocahontas and Episode 9, you know? And then one day they're going to spin it, and they're going to be like, oh, it's, it's just how, like, spam is like pork, you know? And they're going to be like, hold on, this is too meta for me now. My, <laughs> my dice are saying things that are more appropriate than they should be. <laughs> so, so for those of you in Realville, what Rob is saying is that person is crazy, and there's no basis to that. Yeah, I mean, I I need justification. Like, I, I, I think Zach knows I can find meaning in pure nonsense, but that, you need more. You can't go off these, like, I don't know, someone trying to write an SAT question, you know? <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is to, is to episode eight as blank is to episode nine. Oh, you didn't know it was Pocahontas? <laughs> Actually, it sounds like a perfect SAT question now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so like, so yeah, I, I, I figured it was worth bringing it up in this discussion for that. Yeah, no, because that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I, um, I have no idea what these people are thinking and how they make these comparisons. And I think the same could be said for everything we've talked about in this episode, Zach. But at least we've had some time to flesh it out and discuss it and give some background to why we think this way, right? And, oh, yeah. And that's, that's what people should be listening to. I mean, you know, it's like the people who just get their news from headlines. You're not getting anything of... It's vacuous. It's it's no nutrition. It's useless. If you don't have anything to back it up, it's not worth anything. If only the majority of the population shared that. I know. If we can somehow get rid of memes, we might go on the path back to that. <laughs> I have a great idea. Let's just burn the internet down. Well, well, there's some parts of the internet I really like, Zach. <laughs> no, all of it. Get rid of all of it. We talk about those parts of the internet more on Cinemodities than we do on Knights of Vader, so no, check that this is, out. <laughs> this is the Christian server. We're not allowed to talk about those. those yeah, those we can't. Parts we can't complain. I can't complain about all the types of videos I see on the internet on here. 
Boys, there's an ep- by the time you're hearing this, everybody, the Cat in the Hat episode will be out. Is that the one where I talk about what I'm referencing is the Cat in yeah. the Hat? Yep. Okay. Yep. This everybody that will know. always baffle me, okay? Listen to that episode. You'll know what I'm talking about, and it baffles me. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we should say in some self-promotion is that our, our Cat in the Hat episode might be one of the greatest, probably one of the best episodes we've ever recorded. It is, it is really good that I did really actually enjoy editing that one. <laughs> like it, it's one of our most profound discussions and just analysis of the, like, I think we might actually give the, mo- the most definitive take on that film that's ever been given. And that's not hyperbole. I think we look at that, look at that film in a way that nobody else ever has, or maybe oh, ever right. will. Cool. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Check out that episode. And that's not just self-promotion folks. Like I don't care. Listen to cinema. These don't, the numbers show that you don't, but that, that one make an exception for that is a, that is a, a gem of an episode. It's almost okay, as good cool. as the elves episode that we still haven't released. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's never come out. <laughs> Much like Brian peppers. Don't Google elves, 1989. Right. Do Google, do Google Bunce McGavin. <laughs> I do not know what you'll find. <laughs> I've never Googled Bunce McGavin. Um, as Rob finds out what happens when you Google Bunce McGavin, moving into, again, okay, so I guess the next question is, we know Luke and Lando will be in this. Yeah, Lando Luke, Lando was something I wanted to pick your brain about, because I didn't really know how Lando could play a role in this. I was trying to, you know, but, I mean, he fight with the good guys, of course, but other than that, I was kind of at a loss for thinking how Lando could appear in a, uh, in a, in a you know, way that I was kind of looking at. Well, all we know for certain about him is that in the leaked uh, uh, photos of the costumes that the actors would be wearing, he's pretty much wearing the identical outfit he wore in Solo, A Star Wars Story. He's got, okay. the, yellow, he's got the yellow shirt, and he's got the blue cape. Okay, gotcha. Same, same exact outfit he was wearing like in his like 20s. He's wearing when he's like 60-something years old. <laughs> That's not jarring at all to the audience, but guess what? It's familiar, and audiences won't reject if something's impractical, but they'll reject it if it's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's fascinating. Like that is, that's baffling. Like, I just, there's got to be some psychological study about that. Like audiences oh, yeah, will reject sure. something that's practical, but as long as it's familiar, they don't care. As zany and, and nonsensical as it is, but, I don't know why. But then the only thing that makes me think of is like the uranium versus thorium debate. Where it's like thorium is a better energy source, but no one wants to use it because we already know how to use uranium, which is killing people. And so they're just like, okay, whatever, we'll go with the one that's familiar. And that's been going on for years now. <laughs> I guess it's the idea that uh, the, 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 the path that's most traveled, the path of least resistance. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, it's least resistance because it was the first one to come around. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, getting to Lando, uh, uh, that's all we definitively know is what he's going to be dressed as. Okay. There's, he was not in the shareholders footage. The rumors are around him is that he's in a very similar state. Like he's not the administrator of Bespin, but he's, he's in charge of some organization. Okay. He's in charge of some organization kind of like Bespin, okay. but not as like, Oh God. Um, respectable. Sure. But he is, he's someone of authority of power. And uh, I don't know who, some part of our main heroes go to recruit him to help Leia in the resistance. Is he, is Lando going to be in this just so we can get a scene of him learning that Han Solo's dead? Is that, like, is he going to do anything other than that? Well, I don't know about that. I would imagine him, he's probably going to have a line of dialogue about Han Solo, I would imagine. 
I would I would hope if they didn't do that, that would be ridiculous. But I think that's just so obvious and so low hanging that they're going to use him for that. And then he's kind of just going to be a set piece for the rest of the movie. Well, this is the rumor that's going around about him. Apparently they're going, there's going to be a scene in this where they want him to come onto the resistance cause. He refuses. It's like I already did it once. I don't need to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And Chewbacca is going to offer the millennium Falcon his payment for his services. Okay. And that's, and that's going to reel him in. You think he's just going to take it and run? Well, I, I, that'd be hilarious. But no, that, I, I could see that. That's actually, I mean, that's another, I think just as low hanging fruit is what I was thinking where they're going to combine those two and it'll be kind of like, uh, you know, JJ Abrams sitting in his room going, yes, it's a, it's a, you know, a nine movie arc that the millennium Falcon finally gets back to its rightful owner or something like that. I could definitely see them doing it, especially after the backlash there was about L3 and the fact that droids rights and she was put into the millennium Falcon against her will. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. She was yep. dead. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I, someone's got to see L337 have a will. Does she have a last will and testament to, uh, to say that she couldn't be, have her navigation charts put into the Falcon? I don't know if you want to get me started on droids right, Zach. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't come up during the solo episode, considering how uh, prominent that that role of L3 is and her opinion is on droids rights. You mean our um, our review of solo? Yeah. I think I mentioned it very briefly at the end, and everybody was like, no, we're done. We're not talking anymore. Because that was after the half an hour rant about Amelia Clark, if I remember correctly. Like, I had more Amelia Clark to talk about than I had droids in that episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, she's another question mark. She's another one that, like, oh, Solo didn't make any money. So, well, there goes that character. That character goes right out the window. You're kind of like, if you're a character in Star Wars or any Disney property, like, Disney's your pimp and the characters are all your kind of your girls. Unless you're making oh, yeah. some money, you're out on the curb. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, oh. characters. It's like uh, Wreck-It Ralph. You didn't make a billion dollars worldwide. <laughs> you, you're, you're out on the curb. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Ralph. Yeah, I'm so. I mean, after that Wreck-It Ralph trailer came out with all the Disney princesses, I was like, "How is this not the whole movie? How is Disney not making a literal entire Disney princess movie? Why are they wasting their time with this?" You know what the weird thing about Wreck-It Ralph, the Wreck-It Ralph Two was, wow. was that it didn't make a lot of money. Oh, like if you, if you, I haven't seen either of them. I think the first one's very forgettable, but I know there's people that. Well, based off the numbers, like that that second one, like if you look at the box office, it's kind of like just like don't get me wrong, Disney Disney becomes profitable on everything. Yeah, but like in a short term sense, mm, they probably gotcha. just barely broke even on that theatrically. If they did, just barely got there. Yeah, Wreck It Ralph, because that was again. Oh, okay, I don't want to get into theme park stories, but <laughs> Wreck It Ralph was one of those things where they were really they kind of anticipated that being their Ready Player One. In the sense, oh, of like, yeah, okay. Because, because if you look at Ready Player One, there's practically like no Disney iconography. There, I don't think there's hardly any Disney iconography in that. Mm-hmm. And I, and that was kind of thing like, oh, we have our own Ready Player One coming out at the end of the year, and it's family friendly. And you look at the numbers, and it's like Ready Player One made more money than Wreck It Ralph Two did. <laughs> so it was, it was a miscalculation on their part. It really that's like Disney again. That yes, they made two billion dollars with Infinity War and like a billion and a half of Black Panther. But Rocket Wreck It Ralph two was a miss. Christopher Robin was a miss. Solo was a miss. 
Mary Poppins Returns just barely breaking even. Oh, God. I can, I, I literally forget about that movie every time until you say it to me. <laughs> yeah. It just blows my mind that they made another Mary Poppins. Again, it's not practical, but it's recognizable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess. It's a, it's a blight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going back to Lando and Luke, um, I don't know how they'd use like Lando. I, I, feel, I feel Lando would be Han Solo in Leia from Force Awakens. It's like, oh, he's doing the exact... We're finding him exactly mm. where we left him in episode six, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. There's going to be no character arc. There's not yeah. going to be any. It's just where we left off with him. I think that I, I said it last week. I said a lot of what episode nine is going to be is just where we left off. Episode sure, eight, was and, a, and that's, episode and was that's easy. You know, that's easy because, like you were saying, you know, it's like people just want the characters. They want this story. They don't want the lead up. They don't want the backstory. They just want to applaud when they see Lando come on screen. They want you know Ray to come back and move some more rocks or something like that. It's all about the big plot points, and it's like we've lost that. The essence of what makes major plot reveals worth it, and, and it's it's ever, yeah. all the details in between. You know, it's like I thought I thought um, uh, Han Solo dying in the Force Awakens was like lackluster. I was like, really? It's like I knew someone was going to die, and it's and it's you know it's terrible. That it's Harrison Ford because I love Harrison Ford, but like that, I don't know. I felt like it was missing something, and the movie was just like, no, no, no. This is the part that everybody's going to remember. This is the big event. And that's all that this movie is about, you know? And it's like, no, there's so much else that goes into these stories that it's not just... And I think this goes into what I've talked with Zach meant for many hours about how I think spoilers are irrelevant. Like, you, sh you should never say, oh, don't spoil something for me. Because if one fact of one scene of a movie prevents you from wanting to see it, prevents you from wanting to see how the story starts and gets to this spoiler point you're a fool you are a fool you are not looking at the bigger picture and that's how i feel about a lot of this stuff that everybody now knows this like you said market research and they just want to make a movie that has big plot points infinity war what who does it you can just watch the scenes where he puts his stones in his glove and then snaps you got the movie i cannot argue with any of that <laughs> So but, yeah, but, I, I think it's all big plot point after big plot point, and you, we're losing the importance of everything else that goes on, and that's why I'm beginning to hate these movies these days. Because it's not just the big reveal. It's the build-up. It's the journey. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, again, this is really off-base from Return of the Jedi, but it's it's the whole idea of, it's, like, I, again, I, with J, I guess the thing about J.J., though, is it like, when I complain about The Force Awakens, I don't like it, but I understand why it exists the way it does. Okay. It's it's the Beatles reunion phenomena. Nah. It's like it's like Star so getting making Star Wars Episode Seven is kind of like getting the Beatles together again. Sure, sure. And the yeah. thing is that if you're going to get the Beatles together for one night, you're not going to have them write their own music. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have them perform their hits No Absolutely. one's gonna go to a reunion of the Beatles And for the sake of argument let's just pretend that At least half of them are still alive <laughs> And You're not you're not gonna go there wanting to hear Let's hear what they're doing currently You're gonna want you're going there to sit there Hear Sgt. Pepper You're going there to hear, to hear Whatever is popular now in the Beatles Catalog Everything everything will always be popular Zach 
especially the song Ringo wrote about loving a girl who's 16. That's very popular right now. <laughs> You're all ribbons and girls who want a girl Eyes that sparkle and shine You're 16 Not touching it, folks. Not touching it. Bob has to remember he's not on Cinemati sometimes. Uh, but but no, I, I get why the Force Awakens exists. I get it. But okay. the problem, though, is Disney – I thought Disney learned their lesson from the Rogue One because Rogue One does understand how to do nostalgia appropriately. And then you get – but the problem, though, is that they, they the director of that got taken off the film. And then you have Last Jedi – which to this day is the, the only film of the Disney era of Star Wars that doesn't seem to have any sort of behind-the-scenes issues with it. Okay. Then we have Solo, and we all know the problems with Solo. Yep. And then we have Episode Nine, where you had the, the Colin Madman Trevorrow got thrown off his own film. And the only reason why J.J. got brought on because he was only one of two people that was familiar enough with the process of what was going on with that film that could make a logical step mm-hmm. into it so it wouldn't be a Ron Howard situation. Exactly. Okay. Well, and the reason why Ryan Johnson wasn't offered episode nine was because he was too busy still working on episode eight. Oh, okay, okay. So that's their own. And I remember that back when when Madman got fired, at the and much like how I predicted Ray's lightsaber being the same one from Last Jedi, at the end of that discussion about predicting uh, JJ, I said, "Oh dear, I'm sorry about predicting who would be next to replace Trevorrow." I said, "Oh dear Lord, they're going to replace him with JJ." And that episode wasn't even released yet. And I'd add a, a disclaimer in the front of it saying, sorry for the, the 45 minutes of, uh, of speculation on who's going to replace Trevorrow. It's JJ, spoiler alert. And that's what it is. And, and that's, again, it's the safe decision. It's just, mm-hmm. and that's why, again, not to be cynical, but it's, is there going to be a star killer base 2.0? Is uh, there, yeah. are, are they going to try to bring back Supreme Leader Snoke? Are they going to say Richard E. Grant is the reincarnation of Snoke? Are they going to say, uh, uh, is there going to be a gangster? Is Terry Russell uh, the modern day job, or the, I'm sorry, mm. the, the modern day of the Star Wars sequel trilogy, uh, Job of the Hutt? Yeah. Is she going to be there and they have to break somebody out? Maybe, like I was saying before, maybe the MacGuffin is a person. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe there's another Skywalker. Like much how in, in Jedi we find out that Luke isn't the only Skywalker and it's Leia. Maybe mm. we find out that there's, a, there's another Skywalker mm, yeah. That, we've, yeah. that we've overlooked this entire time. Phasma. <laughs> we can only hope that Phasma <laughs> is, is, is the next Skywalker. But that's why I mean those. Like with JJ, it's a hundred percent possible. Yeah. Like, yeah, like so right. Tre- Trevorrow was crazy enough to have a scene where Ray gets pregnant from hand touching. And I'm just gonna keep saying that every single week until people start virtually re- 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 repeating it. Like he was crazy as much as I, I complained about him, he was crazy enough to try something that audacious. Mm-hmm. JJ couldn't be able to think about in the darkest corner of JJ's id. He would not be able to think of something like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. They have completely different minds. Bingo, bingo. Because only one of them made a movie where a kid buys and sells stocks on a payphone outside of his middle school. Okay. <laughs> this is gonna be the second episode in a row of Knights of Vader, where we tell you go watch the Book of Henry. Oh, you mentioned that. This week or last week? Too? Yeah, yeah. Oh god! I told. There's Zach no. Man. There's no escaping that movie. 
I've joked saying that we might have to cut. Like, if there's ever another slow week, like, folks, there might next week might be the Book of Henry episode again. I, I've, I said to, I've said to many people that I think this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But oh my god, it gives me so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no shortage of uh, topics to be discussed when it comes to the Book of Henry. Oh man, folks, we were that. Oh god, if anybody, I, I, by the off chance, anybody in our our uh, listenership is a Lucasfilm employee, please give us that script. We won't oh. tell anybody. And oh, and I want to cr- read it so bad. <laughs> and guess what? It's so crazy. Nobody, even on 4chan, would believe it's possibly real. Like you <laughs> have, like you have a defense built into it. Like I could take pictures of it in front of like the Yoda fountain at Lucasfilm headquarters, and no one would believe it's real still because of how crazy it was. Ray and Ray and Kylo Ren touch each other's hands. They both get pregnant. Chewbacca has to deliver them both at the same time. <laughs> it's gonna be a nine-month movie, or I guess however long Force babies take. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So like I said, that's that's the ultimate concern with Episode Nine because they did that to us. Like, there's precedent for all this. It's not just me, like being again at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, banging on yeah. the hoods of cars, yelling, "They're here! They're here!" There's precedent for all this. Yeah. The fact that Ryan Johnson is still involved with this, and I still think they're going to, I think his trilogy is going to be cut back to a single film, and then okay. it's going to be cut back from a single film to him just writing it, and then it's going to be, oh, he's still producing it. He's still executive producer, which is the uh, equivalent of just throwing, it, it's just, it, it's a title. It's not, it's nothing. It's, there's no creative yeah. substance behind it. And I still think that's going to happen. I think they're going to diminish him because it, like, how studio executives work too, the, the, the corporate culture. Um, Bob Iger is not going to be CEO forever. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy is not going to be head of Lucasfilm forever. Mm-hmm. Considering that Ryan Johnson's trilogy, I, I, again, he apparently is still working on it. But from what we've been led to believe, the Game of Thrones guys are queued up ahead of him. Oh, okay. okay. And we're not, and we haven't even heard anything about the Game of Thrones guy stuff in, in a couple, in like a year or so. So, and, and there's also the real thing too. Maybe this is all going to be streaming service. There's a very yep. real possibility that after Solo, they're afraid. Like, let's say Episode Nine, uh, La- uh, Force Awakens makes two billion dollars. Last Jedi makes one point three. Let's say Episode Nine kind of gets swallowed up by something else because, like, same thing happened to Last Jedi. Last Jedi got bested by Jumanji. Not, not it didn't get beat financially, but it definitely sucked away a nice portion of its audience. Sure. And considering that Jumanji 2, uh, Crimes of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, <laughs> comes out that uh, two weeks prior to episode 9, who's to say that that doesn't happen? Yeah, yeah, you're so right. I love that subtitle. <laughs> every, I want every, okay, Rob and I have a rule now. Every sequel to every, the second sequel, not the third or fourth, but every sequel to a, a major blockbuster has to have one of three titles. It has to be Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Yep. Sicario, Day of the Soldado, yeah, <laughs> or Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Did Every... we have Electric Boogaloo? Or well, was yeah, that just, well, that was just a placeholder when we couldn't think of a better one yet. <laughs> well, that that goes without saying, but that's been that's been not not want to say played out, but everybody knows. Okay, that, that wasn't our distinction. Like the no. other ones, we we found, yeah, absolutely. No. <laughs> but like every sequel has to have it has to be one of those three. It's either uh, X Day of the Y. X the crimes of Y or <laughs> X Y R with the suffix E R. Yeah. That's how it has to be. Yeah. And then and if it makes it to a third film, 
It has to be live. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, no, what was it? Um, Axe hard with a vengeance. Oh, yes, yeah. Then yeah. it follows the die hard model. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> That's what it has to be. Those are the rules. I don't make them, folks. I, I can't. Them. I can't wait till Sicario 3 is announced as Sicario 3 Crimes of the Sicario. <laughs> I can only it's gonna be great. What, I can only imagine what a Sicario three will look like. Uh, who knows? But we'll we'll review it when it comes out. <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, Rob. Anything else about uh, episode the nine Return of the JJ? Well, uh, we definitely hit on all of the 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 points I wanted to ask you about and the things I was thinking of. Um, I have one more prediction that will most certainly not be the case, but I want to get it out there anyway because I think. That if this is how episode 9 ended, it would be amazing. So, as since I've already mentioned, uh, if you think this is a spoiler, you're a fool. <laughs> but the end of Twin Peaks season 3. Do you remember <gasps> that last Do you remember that last oh, hour of Twin Peaks? Yes. Do you remember Do you remember when he goes, you know, we have the the least sexy sex scene ever between Laura Dern and Kyle MacLachlan? We have a diner scene where Kyle McLaughlin, uh, what, breaks some fingers? Finds his house, gets Laura Palmer to the house, has no idea what's going on. It's all confusing. He looks at, he doesn't look at the camera, but he, he looks in the distance and he says, what year is this? And then we hear a scream and it cuts to black. Oh, I love it. I love so that what, ending what, so here, much. Here we go. He, oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's a fantastic ending. But but what do you think about the ending of episode nine? It's I'm saying... For 98% of the movie, 99% of the movie, it's a straightforward Star Wars film. Kind of what everybody's expecting. Cookie cutter from Return of the Jedi or not, it's, it's you know, nothing, nothing crazy. It's just Star Wars. But then, at the very end, maybe when Rey is going to get that MacGuffin or something, she goes and she finds herself in a, in a setting or a circumstance where she's just incredibly confused. And maybe there's a line where it's something like, you know, oh, I, I can't use the force or anything like that. Or, or it shows you visually that she tries to do something with the force and can't do it. I want the end of episode nine to be that followed by her saying, what episode is this? <laughs> and then and then you hear the lightsaber swoosh and it cuts to black. What do you think? I like it. I think that would be awesome because because that would just be, I think, one, it would be unexpected for Star Wars. But two, it's right up Disney's alley, because as far as I'm concerned, that would be an equivalent of everybody turning to dust at the end of a movie. Just a black screen. And yes, if, if Rob was in charge, the screen would cut to black, and, the, and there would be the Star Wars you know, blue or yellow font or whatever it is that comes up and goes, ha ha, suckers, see you in two years. So that's my, oh. that's my prediction for the end of episode nine. You could take the the ha ha suckers. You could take or leave. That I think is the unlikely part. The uh, the what episode is this? That's hundred percent gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the bank. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> that's my prediction. I like that. I like anything that models its conclusion off Twin Peaks: The Return. Oh, of course, of course. That I was not like that. As weird as that may sound, comparing Twin Peaks: The Return's ending to The Last Jedi. Again, it's what Ryan Johnson did. All everybody wanted from The Force Awakens was Luke fighting Kylo Ren at the end. Ryan Johnson gives the audience exactly what they originally wanted, which is what everybody wanted from the ending of Twin Peaks in the 90s, was the resolution to, the, to Laura Palmer, uh, Dale Cooper storyline. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, 
pulls the rug out in front of me. Like, oh my lord, folks, you don't deserve Ryan. We don't deserve Ryan Johnson. We really don't. I know people have complaints with him, but dear lord, that man. Like, you might not like what he does, but you have to respect the audacity of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think this goes exactly to what I was saying before, where you know, it's it's not just like you know, Twin Peaks and Episode Eight. Even though I haven't seen it a lot, you know, from what I remember. It's it's not just like nothing happens and then there's a big subversion of expectations and the rug gets pulled out from under you. No, that the whole story matters leading up to that point and why that subversion comes into play. So yes, it's not just the oh Han Solo dies. It's not the you know they just shock. Bob, it's not a shock know? moment. Yes, because it's like uh it's like horror movies. The scariest scenes in horror movies are not the jump scares. The jump scares are the easiest to explain, but they are superficially scary. Whereas the other things, like the big plot points, you know, the the intriguing ideas, that's what matters. And I feel people, you know, lose that vision. Rob gave his final opinion on how episode nine would end. Yes. And I have my own. After watching Return of the Jedi today, I was thinking about how... Um, because the one thing they keep saying, as I've said, repeat, I'm gonna repeat it again. This is the conclusion to the Skywalker story. And considering that, as of now, the only member of Skywalker lineage we still have is Kylo Ren. Leia, we're gonna assume that they're not gonna do something out of the blue with her. Okay. I am going to assume that, much like how Darth Vader uh, sacrifices himself to mm-hmm. protect Luke, there's gonna be a scene in this where Rey is on the verge of death. Or is in mortal danger, like imminent mortal danger, and Kylo Ren is going to sacrifice himself. Uh, and I'm not talking about like oh, I'm trying to give an example. Um, I'm not talking about like Ellen Ripley jumping into the molten lava at the end of Alien Three as the chest burster like burst through her chest. Okay. I'm not talking about that, but it's gonna be very dark. Again, obviously it's JJ, so it has to be reminiscent of Jedi. It's gonna be very similar to um, what happens to Vader, where he's he's dying. And I know there's a lot of debate about how Vader's dying during that scene. Is he dying because of the electrocution? Yeah, Is he dying or because Luke beating him down. Or or Palpatine. So the whole thing. The new theory now is that Palpatine was keeping Vader alive through dark dark Sith energy by oh. siphoning the life force out of Padme. And the moment that Palpatine dies, Vader basically starts to decay. Okay. And that's why um, there's that theory. Though, but I think what's going to happen at the end of Episode Nine is Kylo Ren is going to save Rey, and in the process, mortally wounds himself. And we're going to have that redemption moment as he's about to die. She's like, he's I'm so sorry. I'm so. It's it's like let me let. Obviously, he can't say look. Let me look upon you with my eyes. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be that transparent. But there's going to be a sentimental moment as as life leaves his eyes as she weeps. Realized that he wasn't truly a monster. She also, because in episode seven, she goes, "You're a monster," and there's gonna be a line like that said, and he'll say something like, "I hope you real." Okay, I'm gonna try my do my best Adam Driver voice. I hope you realize that I'm not the monster you thought I was, and she'll be yeah. weeping with her British accent, going, "No, I knew you never really were a monster." It's gonna be something like that, and then he, it's, it's the life leaves his eyes. Okay, and um, and sure, she'll have, sure. and they'll be, and now, and, and, and they'll have a funeral for him. I'd be certain they're gonna have a funeral for him for him being the final yep, Skywalker. Nope. <laughs> yup, nope. And they got Adam Adam Driver's Kylo Ren's body burning, and they're all just like, yup, nope. <laughs> no Ewoks, just like the main characters going, yup, nope. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that'd be so funny. <laughs> no, I think that's 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 perfect. I think that actually makes 
an incredible amount of sense because I think that's, um, you know, of course, my opinion and that I love Return of the Jedi. I think the scene where Vader, you know, tosses the Emperor over the railing or into, what, the energy cores or whatever they're on, that's that's an awesome scene. I love the way that's shot. I love the way it's edited. I love the way that it all kind of pans out. And it gets me to this day. I've seen Return of the Jedi a million times, and I feel like there's part of me that every time I see the ending, I'm like, is Vader going to save him? You know? And so if they can do it anywhere as well as that, I'll be happy. Keep in mind, again, the filmmaking challenge. Vader is an, is an emotionless is a emotionless mask. Yet there, just by the movements of his head, and poor David Prowse, that's not allowed. Who, whose name is Mud because he got into a fight with Lucas, mm. gets no credit for that performance. Oh, it's like so it's, good. Like that's why I mean, like, like I know Lucas in the special editions added the no, oh, yeah, yeah, but. Think about that. Just from him turning his head, you get so much emotion from that moment. And you're uh, not. Yep. Yeah, yep. And think about it. JJ's not going to do that. He's not looking at the movie that way. Yeah, it's going to be some big, grandiose action yeah. sequence where someone gets thrown off a ledge or something. Yeah, you're right. That's that's what I mean, though. It's like, and the problem is that, like, I don't even think he's aware of that, JJ. I don't think he's consciously aware of the fact that, like, oh, as a filmmaker, I'm not capable of this. Because if he was, he they could Disney could very easily hire a second unit director or somebody who could do that. Like they have mm-hmm. enough money, they could they could hire someone, pay them an, uh, or have them sign an NDA for some exuberant amount of money, and no one ever find out that he can't do that. He couldn't he couldn't get that out of an actor or something. And it's just like oh. That's just not going to happen because that's just not a concern for him. Like he, it sure. doesn't blip on his radar. And I think that's the most disappointing thing because episode eight showed, at least to me, not Twin Peaks: The Return, The Last Jedi, that like, <laughs> oh, you can get like the sequel trilogy has fertile ground. It's not just uh, stuck in this nostalgic retread wasteland. And guess what? We're going to go right back to it. We're going to go right back to it because it's the mm-hmm. safest thing to do, especially considering the filmmaker involved and the current climate of the fan base. Yeah, that's, yep, great, great point. Great. But point. I guess my final question to Rob is about what, what will this happen in episode nine? Will we get a sequence with Force, Ghost, Kylo, Ren, and Luke together? Ah. Or let me rephrase that. Will we get a, let me make it more broad. Are okay. we gonna get a final shot of Ray looking off in the distance as they all the characters celebrate, and we and she looks at I don't know who. Okay, I guess that's part of the question. Will that scene happen? Will Ray look off in the distance where nobody else can see them? There's a bunch of Force ghosts, and if that scene does occur, which Force ghost will be there? Um, well, Hayden Christensen, of course. <laughs> uh, no, no. In all seriousness, Luke, Luke and Kylo would be the ones who were there for her. Like, I don't think she had anything to do with Yoda. She had nothing to Yoda do with the one. Yoda, Yoda will be there. He has to be there because he was because he was introduced in the last no, okay. Reappeared in The Last Jedi. Okay. Because you have you have to tie it to Return of the Jedi. Uh, but they never they had nothing to do with each other, Ray and Yoda, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter. The audience does. Well, okay, remember, no, I know it doesn't matter, but now I'm just asking for my own curiosity. They never they don't even know no. about each other, right? Well, 
Well, Yoda, well, Yoda might know her because Yoda's a Yoda, yes. but okay. Obi Wan's aware of her. Obi Wan's aware of her because in the Force Awakens, there's the they made a very big point of telling us this after the film came out that after she touches the lightsaber and she has all of her visions, and she's when she's getting up after falling down in the basement of Maz's uh, the tavern palace, mm-hmm. or you want to call it, you can very you can hear the whisper of you and McDonald saying, "Ray, these are your first steps." So th- okay. you have your, you have a connection there, and considering that was a JJ creative choice, it's it, the foundation. It, it's a very uh, uh, well. Let's just Marcy get every- foundation. Let's just get everybody in there. Let's get Luke. Let's get Kylo Ren. Let's get Yoda. Let's get Obi Wan. Let's get Hayden Christensen. Let's Liam get Neeson? The, the Liam Neeson. The Vader suit. Force Ghost Jim is going to show up in there. <laughs> what, what other Force Ghosts do we got? I think I just exhausted my list. <laughs> But it's gonna be it's gonna be a choir the, of Force Ghosts singing Yub Nub. <laughs> the, the entire Force Ghost Jedi Council. Mace Windu, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson will be there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yep, yep. I guess my real question should have been which Force Ghost won't be there. Mm, yeah, there you go. There you go. Unfortunately, that's probably Jim, and that's the saddest part. Oh, that's not cool. I he know should they should. Yeah, they that'll be in the in twenty years when J.J. Abrams does the special editions. He's going to edit Force Ghost Jim at the end of Episode Nine. <laughs> good, good. There you go. Long di- overdue, but it's appropriate. Oh yeah. Oh, that's great. No, that's a good question. I, I, well, I, I don't think I have enough knowledge. I think you're right. Luke and Kylo would be the two that make the most sense for her to see. But I think you're so right. We're gonna see a Force Ghost appearing to her. Absolutely. Especially, I think we're getting the Luke one early on. We're going to have a scene where she has dialogue with Luke. Yeah, like we talked about with the log and yes. stuff. Yeah. And then at the very least, uh, now on top of that, we're going to get the, the, the yub nub with the, at the very end. Yes, yes. Maybe it'll be Force Ghost Ewoks. <gasps> Force Ghost Wicket. Yeah. Force yeah, Ghost Wicket. No. <laughs> the Force Ghost one that gets shot, and the other one like goes over and tries to like nudge it awake, and it won't wake up. That one gets everybody gets. You know what happens? Well, that's, get, that's, a, that's some sad stuff in that scene. I know, but <laughs> when he comes back. See, JJ is fixing Return of the Jedi. He's taking a sad moment. He has that that Ewok come back. Yep. yep. All the all okay. Force Ghosts of all the Padawans Anakin killed during Revenge of the Sith. Oh, jeez. Okay, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Every, it's funny, JJ becomes the Oprah of Force Ghosts. You get a Force Ghost, and you get a Force Ghost. Everyone's gonna have a, a Force Ghost. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon's gonna have a Force Ghost. No, the radar. It's totally useless, you can't the, even get on it. <laughs> the different, no, the radar dishes have different Force Ghosts. You get a rectangular Force Ghost. <laughs> There's gonna be the circular radar the, dish. Uh, the what, the escape pod Force Ghost from Solo? <laughs> yes. The skate pod from A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. Luke's hand gets a force ghost. The giant space creature from Solo gets a space gets a force ghost. <laughs> the Rancor. Java. Oh, that would be so cool. Just <laughs> you see, like um, you know, like the cover of Sergeant Pepper's with all the people standing <laughs> there. You see that, but a force ghost. At the very end of episode nine. Okay, and they folks. all in unison go, yub, nub. And then, <laughs> and then you know, dun, 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 dun. 
All right, folks. Rob hit. You know what? Out of all the jokes people could have possibly made at the ending of episode nine with Force Ghost, Rob hit the absolute crescendo. <laughs> There's not a better way to make that joke than say it's a set. It becomes the Sergeant Pepper's cover. It, that's what it is. It's just every everybody's on there, and there's no rhyme or reason as to why they're there. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I hope that happens now. <laughs> oh my god. Um, to end this episode, because I think we've kind of exhausted this after uh, talking for about six and a half hours, two hours and twenty minutes. Oh my god. Nice. Uh, oh my god. This could be our worst episode to date. Um, all right. To end this episode, I found in research. I think I said it last week that I I want to do research into finding any JJ Star Wars quotes prior to his official involvement with the Force Awakens, which started okay. like spring of 2013. And I could have sworn when Star Trek 2009 came out, he had a bunch of Star Wars quotes. So I went to Google, did like a custom search with a certain, I, I did like 2000, like January 2008 to like, oh God, December of like 2010. Mm-hmm. And I looked, I couldn't find anything, like hardly anything mm. other than like no quotes from him. But just like a lot of like people, obviously a lot of people saying like, oh, this is what the Star Wars prequel should have been in reference to Star Trek 2009. Oh, okay, okay. But I did find one quote. This quote of his is from December of 2015. So this is during the the release of Force Awakens. So outside of my parameters, but I think it's interesting. Quote, I'm not certain who quite understands the science of the Force. To me, Star Wars was never about science fiction. It was a spiritual story. End quote. And I look at that and I say, that can't be the same guy that made The Force Awakens, can it? <laughs> I don't know. JJ is a perfect corporate shell. So maybe he is. He understands much like in Revenge of the Sith after Anakin has, has killed all the Jedi, wiped out the separatist leaders. And as he looks on at the sun on Mustafar and we see a single tear roll down his cheek. Maybe that's what JJ is. Maybe he's assigned these things by his corporate overlords mm-hmm. and he realizes what he's doing is wrong or just misguided but he's completely helpless to to redirect redirect it maybe 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 he is the the tragedy in this is that he realizes what he's doing isn't perfect yet he's helpless to to do otherwise that could be i i don't know enough about i don't think uh, uh, any of us know enough about jj to know if that's if the the truth or not but i mean i've i've seen and heard about artists that, you know, go down that path where, you know, they want to do one thing and their their talents get kind of, like Zach said, shilled out for other purposes. He was seduced by the dark side of the force. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's letting the hate flow through him. <laughs> he's more machine now than man. Twisted <laughs> and evil by the dark side. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group, type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and you will most likely stumble into us. Find us on Instagram, at KOV Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Ann Superiority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Anything to plug there, Rob? Uh, you can also find the Ann Inspiriority Complex Facebook group, just like Zach said, type in Inspiriority, you'll likely find us, where we not only share our music that you can't find on Spotify, but we also like to share some other songs that we really enjoy. True Inspiriorities. So check it out. Good luck trying to spell that without looking up the show notes. <laughs> 
Percussion. We're, market, we're marketing masters, Zach. <laughs> That's somehow even worse than Cinemonis. Um, for questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemonis. And come here, Rob and I talk about the cat in the hat, yeah. the, the surreal masterpiece that is the Michael Myers version. Rob, yeah, is there anything yeah. we could say to the audience to make them want to listen to that if they, if they aren't so inclined? Oh, oh. I, I would say this is something where... Uh, you should see The Cat in the Hat, but even if you have not seen The Cat in the Hat, I think our discussion uh, can emulate some of the insanity that it encapsulates quite well. So it's up to you. I'd say dealer's choice. You should you should see the movie, listen to our review in either order. All right, Rob, so how are we going to end this episode? Well, we talked so much about Twin Peaks Episode 8, I just want to play The Platters and My Prayer. Can we do that? I think we would play Yub Nub in reverse. Oh, but... Uh... The platters are better than Yubnub. I, I, I guess I shouldn't admit that on this Star Wars podcast. <laughs> that I like I like a Motown song from the 50s more than Yubnub. <laughs> How about we blend the two together in reverse? Oh, okay. So something like, when the twilight is gone, Yubnub. <laughs> and no songbirds are singing, Yubnub. <laughs> I love it. Give me some time. I'll edit that together. <laughs> I... I have no idea how that could, could even go slightly awry. <laughs> All righty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. Thanks for having me. Peace. When the twilight is gone. Yup, yup. And no songbirds are singing. Yup, yup. When the twilight is gone. Yup, yup. You come into my heart. Yup, yup. And here in my heart you will stay. Why?